1: Welcome to Brother Day. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Let's, uh, just real quick, pour one out for uh, John So Leaving Running Man. Yeah. An important, an important person in our lives, I think.
2: Um, I mean, the only person whose name I have on a sweater.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you had the power rank, the... Running man characters. Uh she's gotta be in the top half, right?
2: Yeah, she's definitely in the top half. She is a, for sure above the likes, and I hope they don't listen. <laughs> I don't know if any of them have enough English. I hope none of them listen. I would definitely put her above Kim Jong Cook.
1: Yes, I have John Cook at the bottom for sure. Haha, pretty close. <coughs> I gave it some thought. Uh
2: What's well, the other guy who joined? Sejong? Sejong, Yeah. Sechan? Sejong, not Sejong the Great. He not Sejong,
1: Sechan. Man. Yeah. Um I, I look, here's how I power ranked them and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Lee Kuang-su. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good start, right? Sure. Okay. Uh he's the he's the straw that stirs the drink. Um Uj Jae-suk. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I don't know if you'll agree with this one. G Ji Jin.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Super um, important, I, crucial character. I think he's absolutely, uh, absolutely necessary for that cast. Like, you need, they need someone that everybody, including all guests, can bully.
1: <laughs> and he takes it so well, he takes it better than anyone. In a society where if if you're older than someone that's supposed to really mean something, yes. he takes bullying from people younger than him better than anyone in any country, I think. Just keeps showing very- up to work.
2: <laughs> yeah, he needs that money.
1: It's very surprising that he has not quit. And I guess he never will, because that show's been on since 2010 or whatever.
2: He comes in red hot like he's going to be the second host of the show. <laughs> and then he fucking... And he gets one hot banger off about why'd you introduce me to my wife? Uh-huh. And, and then... Finger guns, he just man. Fucking, he just fucking eats it from that, from that moment on.
1: For <laughs> 600 episodes. Yeah. 690-minute episodes <laughs> of just <laughs> yes. absolutely taking everyone's shit forever. Okay, so I had him yeah. at three. I figured it's, yep. he's just too crucial to the cast. Then I have Soman at four because she's like Kwong-Soo yep. Jr.,
2: Yeah, I agree. She starts very strong with her goblin tree and her, I mean, again, telling her mom to sell the house the first time (laughs) she gets fired into the pool and hurts her back probably.
1: All the times she has to be uh, Yondu and then she exclaims that she'll never get married because of Running Man. But the week after she was Yondu for like the third time, a male guest came on and he said that he'd seen all the running mans and at first she was really excited about that and then she thought about it for a second and went so you've seen yondu and he went yes and she said oh okay <laughs> Which was very sad uh
2: threatening uh, to take off her pants to everyone's horror
1: <laughs> that's right she has to go to the bathroom so bad she's just gonna do it right here so yeah, yeah she's outstanding sad to see her go uh here is where i don't know you could have gary or geo I, yeah. I i have gary here because it, after he left geo became nothing so it was pretty clear he was important
2: yeah,
1: um, but they yeah, had then Geo, then Haha, ha, then Sichan, and then John Cook because John Cook's character is most of the time absolutely nothing. What He's about just the guy the who's mad one, about stuff.
2: What about the season one irregulars, Lizzie and um, how was the Flower Boys? Name? Oh, uh,
1: um, mm.
2: Jun Yes, like that?
1: that's right, Song Junki. Uh Yeah, I don't know, man. Lizzie was only there for a, like a real small number of episodes. She can go yeah, straight to the bottom. She was something. Yeah, she was nothing.
2: And then later they check on her and she's drunk in the middle of the day and it's very sad.
1: <laughs> they feel very bad for her because she has no career at that point. Yeah. And they even point out that, that she, she probably shouldn't have left Running Man. They yeah. feel they need to say that to her. Um yeah and Junky, I don't know. He was he was alright. I might have him above John Cook, it's possible. But <clears throat> anyway. So there you go. So man, leaving yeah, the show no. after six years. She was there for six years. Hard to believe. It's been that long.
2: This is gonna be a really exciting episode because you keep cutting in and out, and I assume <laughs> it's just on the zoom and your audio is gonna be fine. Uh oh, correct. But That's maybe good, maybe take a look and see if you've got like weird gaps in your uh waves.
1: No, I assume it is not my uh Not the recording locally here. It's probably just the... It's going to be like a quiz show for you.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Listen, I I watched many episodes of Million Million Na Game Kanaba, and so uh, I'm perfectly happy with playing a quiz show where I understand parts of the questions.
1: That's right. And you know what? I am going to slip into Tagalog as well, so it might drop down to like a fourth for you.
2: Oh, man. Fourth could be rough. Sure. Um, No, I think you've got the order just about right. Gary and Geo both make me so sad for such different reasons. But, um, you know, when Geo has that little resurgence where she says she could seduce Jacek with one finger. Yeah. That was almost something, huh?
1: That was pretty good. Yeah, she's mostly nothing, though, these days. It's too bad. Yeah. She's mostly just sleepy. That's it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, that was always one of my favorite. She was always a little sleepy for sure, anyway. but
1: now she's now she's pretty sleepy. Was they just like she could fall asleep anywhere. Um. Yeah. Um. Anything else going on in your world, Mister Bisk?
2: Um. In my individual personal world, no, Ooh. not really. Oh, okay. Uh, have you been following? I don't think we've talked about this at all. The Connor Stallions. Oh play- yeah,
1: of course. Okay, it's college football. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you know um, tangentially related to college football.
2: It doesn't involve any teams that I care about, so it fucking drops out of my brain as soon as I'm done reading about it. But uh-huh. then every couple of days, something else just pops right to the front page. Like, yeah, uh, it uh, turns out, uh, turns out there's footage of this guy at 18 more games. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere, man. He's been to all the cities in that song. I'm sure he has. Today,
2: the, today the news is that he didn't. He didn't file any expense reports. Mm. with the college. And that proves but
1: then, something.
2: Right, it's not It's not nothing, but then you go into the comments and everyone's like, I mean, based on the rest of how this story has gone, I assumed he would have filed expense reports with the memo line cheating.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have not been very secretive about it, for sure. Yeah, alright, so there's this guy. His name's Connor Stallions. I think that's at least half of the appeal of the story. That if his oh, yeah, name was uh, Connor Stevens or something, then no one would give a crap. But, um... And uh, he, either to ingratiate himself with Michigan or at the behest of Michigan, the University of Michigan, go blue, um, has been uh, going to games all over the country and like videotaping and stealing the signs and signals from uh, the various teams and coaching staffs, which is like a no-no for reasons that are not, they're not, look, you can't do that because it was decided right in the beginning that wasn't the kind of cheating that was okay. There are lots of kinds right. of cheating that are okay, but because no one does <laughs> this kind of cheating, it's not okay. You can steal people's signals. You can definitely do it if you're, like, looking across the sideline at them as they're making them, and you can mm-hmm. steal them by looking at the the All-22 or the broadcast cameras. Um, there's lots of ways that everyone has agreed. The fucking handshake agreement. It is okay to steal the, signs in but football. But that's just part of the game, right? Yep. right. And his way has not been ag- no one agrees. No one wants that. Uh, you saw it the Patriots have been in trouble for it before other teams have been in trouble for it, <clears throat> sending people to record other people's shit. So uh, but he's like a lunatic. He's like, that's the part where it gets tricky is like, is he just an insano who is trying to be part of the Michigan family and they're happy to accept his Intel? Or is he like a, a, a deep Michigan agent or something? he's got a manifesto. It's like 500 pages long or something. And he's got like, he went to the Naval Academy and like, he's like stole all the student data. Cause he wanted to like learn about some, rec- some recruiting advantages they might be able to pull at Michigan. Uh-huh. And he's like, so he's like this weird Michigan super fan who has one way or another wormed his way in with the staff there. And, yeah they uh, pay him money and and it's assumed they pay him money to do this
2: well he collects a salary there doesn't he
1: uh he was uh
2: but it's like 50 grand or something it doesn't make yeah. any sense with the amount of money he spent on this scheme
1: right he's some kind of staffer of, of uh you know no one important enough that anyone would have known his name before this right um But yeah, so anyway, that that story has been ongoing. Uh, Michigan's football coach, Jim Harbaugh, the always insane Jim Harbaugh. If you keep watching the Detroiters, he's uh, big in season two. Um, Oh, that'll be fun. He has been suspended for the rest of the regular season, which is, you know, two or three more weeks or whatever, for his overall responsibility in the thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is a story with many layers in the, the... Research is ongoing. Everyone comes up with some new twist on it every day.
2: <laughs> uh, the internet loves catching a cheat. Oh, yeah. They went fucking buck wild with the Astros trash can. Oh, banging. yeah,
1: that was good stuff. Uh, that was a great couple. That's weeks good stuff be because you really can just go back into old games and just yep. listen and hear it in the background. And the footage
2: is fucking on MLB.com. You yep. just go back and play it, and you hear the banging, and you're like, "Ah, oh, yeah." Did they say? I wonder if they've
1: like removed all Astros games from from their fucking website well, they, or whatever.
2: Their MLB's official response to it was extremely tepid.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you mean because no one was punished? There's just no That's no, no one was punished. Yeah, and then yeah. the commissioner said, that "Who cares about winning the World Series anyway? That ain't nothing." Yep. <laughs> well, what's happening?
2: It's also uh, fair to say that this would probably be not such a big story if Michigan sucked. At yeah, football. they're.
1: I mean, they're undefeated, and they've been smashing everybody's asses, so it's...
2: Yeah, they've just been absolutely whipping ass, and so then when you, you get to the point of thinking, like, I don't know, man, what if that sign stealing is, is doing something?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, no anyway. Stealing, stealing signs for San Jose State. <clears throat> Fitzhill ain't going to opposition games with a video camera.
1: Yeah. I assume Fitz is still working for state.
2: Probably in that but, you capacity. Looks like a spy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just the thing that's uh, has been amusing me the most about the uh, what is a, otherwise a pretty bleak world.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, and even that is like, I don't know. There are people who are all butthurt about it, so it's even that can't be as fun as it it could be if everyone had a better sense of humor.
2: Yeah, but it's—I mean—it's funny because I genuinely don't care. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care if this was being used by a team that was beating teams that I liked. Like,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, it's so—it's
2: so basic and sad.
1: Again, it's—it's literally like it's just a completely unwritten rule. I can't even believe you can really be punished for it, but it's under the extremely thin uh, guidelines of uh, good sportsmanship or something. So.
2: I don't think anyone expects the punishment will be severe. Yeah, but I do love, I do love when sports finds an unwritten rule that's broken. The best one of all time, probably never will be topped. Of course, was the NASCAR, uh, <laughs> just riding the wall incident
1: from last year. Turns out it's faster just to gun it and ride the wall all the way around
2: just to fucking jam your foot all the way down and let the boards redirect you yeah
1: your car's not going to be uh, aerodynamic anymore it doesn't matter you are not leaving the side you're not going to be in the open track it makes no difference whether you have aerodynamics your car's going to crumple up real good but just gun it that was crazy uh, another
2: another thing and since this is a sports thing I guess I'll play it <laughs> now nah. Did you see that the minor league hockey player who cut the other minor league hockey player's throat <sighs> and killed him got arrested?
1: It seems extremely unnecessary, uh, though. I never watched the film, so I don't know. Maybe he like tried to kick at him or something. I don't know.
2: I mean, we've discussed this before, and you're—I know you're okay with knowing that that guy died. Yeah but you don't want to see it, That's so right. don't
1: don't watch the film, it's nasty. Yeah, I'm not going to watch, I, I refuse to watch the film, but, um,
2: um... But, you know, there's a lot of talk, why was that guy's foot so high, it looks like he kicked him deliberate, he probably didn't mean to cut his throat, but it looked like he kicked him deliberate, et cetera, etc, etc, but he ha- had the very bad luck for this hockey game to be played in England. Yeah. So, I, yeah. their criminal justice system works a little different.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of the time that uh, Goalie got his neck slashed like, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago now. Another
2: very bad piece of video to watch.
1: Yeah, just instantly, instantly. Blood everywhere. Just all over the ice around him. And you're like, oh shit. Turns out just
2: a huge amount of blood comes out when you get your throat slit.
1: (laughs) That guy somehow survived. But yeah, I guess this guy wasn't as lucky. So that's what I was saying. I didn't didn't look into it anymore once I heard the guy had died. So uh, maybe the guy did a deliberate motion that then leaves him open to some kind of criminal complaint. But...
2: I mean, internet vigilantes. Sure, will say that. I think the reality is that the, he just it just it has been arrested as a formality as part of the investigation. It'll probably be fine. Yeah, but um, you, you know, would not get arrested in the United States. No It'll hell, be no. like, well, if you play hockey long enough, someone's going to get their throat absolutely cut. Yeah, it's and also, weird. it doesn't happen every day.
1: That guy died how he wanted. He died how he wanted to live, or something. Live. He died. Doing what he loved, that's what I wanted to say. There you go. He got, um... It was like a Dale Earnhardt situation. <laughs> he died doing what he loved, being a dick out there. In this guy's case, it was, you know, just playing hockey regular style, but still.
2: Yeah, now, with Dale Earnhardt, there was the extra thing about how he didn't want to wear a closed-face helmet.
1: No, and then... And he was kind probably of... Probably because it was for know, sissies.
2: If, the, if there had been a head-and-neck safety device that was not mandatory, he wouldn't have... Uh,
1: he wouldn't have put it on he probably smoked 3 whole cigarettes as he said the sentence i don't want to wear that helmet <laughs> just finished 3 of them right in row
2: yeah so <clears throat> that was that was a little bit oh maybe a little bit uh more ironic than this guy who i assume had no stance at all on the issue of should we wear neck guards <laughs> because everyone in hockey agrees no
1: everyone said i don't not interested in that thank you though no thanks no it's like it uh, makes my head, head harder to turn i don't like that yeah. I would like to keep I gotta my, have my head. clear.
2: Everyone always says have your head on a swivel, and although I'm not 100% certain what that means, <laughs> uh, I don't feel like wearing a neck guard will help with that.
1: No, also looks is stupid. That,
2: wait, hold on. Is it the swivel?
1: Yeah, is that the swivel? Because then I guess I need the it. Is swivel? Then I require it. Is
2: it swivel brand?
1: Is it a swivel brand neck guard? That's right, and therefore you keep your head on it and keep your neck safe. Hey, swivel brand.
2: Make, make neck guards for hockey.
1: Call us up. We got some ideas for you.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Hello, Sharks. Uh, the premise of our invention today is that hockey players are not very smart.
1: <laughs> so we we got here is, uh, you know, let's just roll the video. It's uh, Blood on the Ice. <laughs> just going to enjoy this one. When you said Hello, that Sharks, it, guy. <laughs> it reminded oh, me that, San Jose Sharks. that the San Jose Sharks set a record recently. I don't know if you saw it. It was one of those... No,
2: please, please let me know.
1: One of those uh, dubious distinctions. Okay, before this season, the most goals allowed in back-to-back games, like total goals, was 18. Which is bad. That's very bad. You don't want to allow 18 in two games. That's nine apiece!
2: Yeah, nine nine goals in a game is an extremely bad game, though I have been to a Sharks game where they allowed 10. That's all I'm going to say about
1: it. Okay, well, the Sharks decided they didn't want that record to be in doubt anymore. Right. How many do you think they allowed in back-to-back games?
2: 21. 20. 20.
1: They okay. gave up 10 and 10. Oh,
2: so they did it in two two even games, of 10 <laughs> each. Jesus. Can they call up a really old goalie? What's <laughs> just, Nabokov doing?
1: Look, man, at that point, it's clear it's not the goalie's fault. It is clear What's that Archer's your defense is just letting dudes take their shots. Hey, what, what do you want? What angle's perfect for you? I will set that up for you. You want me to screen my goalie? I can do that for you. No, no goalie is bad enough to give up 10 goals without a lot of help from the defense. <clears throat> the Sharks are terrible and have been for years, but they are somehow a new level of terrible. But I like how they didn't go to 19. They weren't like, now we have the record, 19 in two games. like, no, no, no. Let's put a little bit of fucking buffer in there.
2: Someone's gonna say the pace of hockey has changed, and it's easier to score nineteen goals now than it was to score eighteen. Oh, well, you know what? Let's let another one
1: in. That's right. Leave <laughs> no doubt that we were the best at this.
2: <clears throat>
1: anyway, want to do the mailbag? Yeah, we should probably do that. We've vamped enough. Mailbag by brother date.
2: All the way back on the fourth. Uh that well, was my birthday. That's true. Ryan wrote I have just never found Chucks to be very comfortable for any kind of walking around
1: yeah I mean look um, they're they're not barely
2: shoes and they're made for a parquet floor
1: yeah exactly I mean yes this is true they are not the most comfortable shoe in the world but for some reason I uh, I still get down with them I've still got a couple pairs in rotation
2: Uh, most of the time I ain't putting my feet through too much if I'm honest that's I'm on a lot of paved surfaces.
1: Yeah, we're not exactly the great outdoorsman that uh, Ryan is. And honestly, I rarely leave the house, so. Yeah. I don't wear shoes at all. Really.
2: Uh, If I'm... Like, if I have to commute into San Francisco for work or something, I, I would wear boots. I don't wear sneakers on a day like that. Okay. But even that, you could. Yeah. I just don't. But yeah, no, they...
1: Uh, yeah, they're not, you know, they, they, ain't, uh, they ain't cushy on your feet. They're a real a, man's shoe. I
2: have a gravel driveway, and I have genuinely had shoes where I'm like, ooh, these are not... This is not fun even on this gravel driveway, but so far the chucks are okay.
1: <laughs> okay, good. By the way, I noticed you uh, did not mention that we got a like from Charlotte Watson... It's very important. They liked the post that the the our last episode came out, and I just checked the profile and it says found different beauties from all US states. They're ready to meet. Some have naked profile photos. So I just wanted to shout out. I didn't see this. It is it's listeners like you, Charlotte Watson, that make it all worth it.
2: Thank you, Charlotte Watson.
1: At uh, also- Charloff Watson.
2: Also appears that we have got a message from Ryan since the time I started reading the messages from Ryan. <laughs> uh, did the imagination run wild? She asks, look at my nude, a photo, <laughs> kitty cat, just blowing a kiss. Look for me by nickname, dot All right. Nice. Uh,
1: there you go.
2: Nah, now that I know these are Russian girls, <laughs> side, politically.
1: That's right. I am against this now.
2: Yeah, I'm back out.
1: Yeah. You think I can't get fucking non-Russian titties? Huh? On the internet? I don't know. Do you think they're all Russian? All the titties on the internet? Well, anyway.
2: I mean, a certain volume of them are, for sure. (coughs) Uh, This individual has liked a wild collection of posts. A lot of NFL
1: stuff. Oh, well, you know. They might be able to get some... I just wonder how we fell into the uh <clears throat> the algorithm. Yeah. Anyway, got, uh These so, are so it's yeah, niceonline yeah. everybody. dash nice dot online, Okay. So just to repeat uh, it, ru.girls-nice.online. dash nice dot online.
2: Every time I scroll back to this page I see the little clip that you posted yesterday or the day before. <laughs> That is fast. It's amazing. Um, We'll get to that right up at the end. Yeah,
1: okay, good. Because there are two. I posted two clips because they were good enough as audio clips.
2: Yeah, the one is Terrence Howard's one times one equals two math or whatever. Yes, 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 yes. And then
1: the other one is RoboCop, and the RoboCop one I watched 30 times the other day. Just watched it on a loop over and over and over again that one minute because it was so (sighs) unbelievable what I was seeing.
2: I assumed that was from a sketch show.
1: I mean, it was. Uh, it was, and I, I think re- you should leave skit for sure.
2: Until I read further on and d- discovered that that is apparently real, <laughs> a real part of that documentary, and the thing that Peter Weller says at the end of it—it's so great It's not just a reference to Rick James and the Chappelle Show. <laughs> uh but we'll get there. Yep. Um. On the also on the fourth, oh, that was my birthday. Uh, Ryan writes at brother date so that's why he won't go to karaoke presumably about our <laughs> discovery that ben is very bad at rhythm games
1: yeah he's not he doesn't have it in him he doesn't have the rhythm in him do you guys know no. does he have musical tastes of any kind or is he one of those people that just like you know, not like music
2: well we drove as you know yeah from california to Isle, maine And then down to Ocean City and then across to Seattle and then back down to San Jose in 2003 with a CD player. Okay. A portable CD player connected, I think, to an audio, you know, one of those cassettes that has a cord coming out that you plug into a CD player?
1: Hell yes. Yeah.
2: A great technology. Uh, And so we obviously we alternated music quite a bit on there and he listened to a lot of
1: Foreigner. Oh, well, that's a tough one. I mean, it could be worse. It could be worse. Did you hear cold as ice? (laughs) Yes, of course. What about hot (laughs) blood?
2: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Double vision. (laughs) Everything from the belt. Everything from the foreigner belt, we heard. Okay, good. But not uh, everybody's working for the weekend or whatever the misfire was on yes. the
1: other one. That was a Loverboy song. Loverboy has always sucked. And then, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> the great Carl <laughs> line. but We saw, uh, saw him at the Meadowlands with Brian Adams in 89, and they kicked ass. Uh, well, that's interesting. Foreigner, so, huh? you know,
2: um, I feel like he has a couple of Bon Jovi records, probably. Right. And then, you know, it'd be my turn, and I'd put on a fucking Mountain Goats record. Hmm. And he'd have to fucking listen to that for 40 minutes in Utah.
1: Yeah, and by that time, did they even have the good jazz record out?
2: Nope. Okay. Oh, definitely not. It was all stuff recorded into a boombox. Okay. Into the mic on a boombox. That
1: is very mean of you. If you're going to make someone listen to a bunch of stuff on a road trip, at least have it be decent recording quality. Yeah. So you can hear how uh, shitty or good it is.
2: Listen, man, by the end of the road trip, he was uh, he had Stockholm Syndrome, and at some point <laughs> in, I think... Montana or Idaho he was like hey why don't you put that Mountain Goats record back on so (laughs) you know
1: yeah well then you said uh, I'm sure I don't have to remind you about the psychological (laughs) state of a prisoner or whatever like Picard did with Beverly
2: and possibly the last high scoring episode of TNG
1: yeah maybe Jesus Spoiler, it's not looking good.
2: Um, also on the fourth, <laughs> I, wrote, I think we ended up with the DJ Hero instruments at some point and used them like three times. They have a plastic, fake plastic turntable and mixer.
1: Uh-huh. Hold on.
2: <laughs> that seems less fun to me.
1: Hey, how do I unmute on Audacity?
2: Well, you're... <laughs> How
1: did you mute? <laughs> Control U. It's not working to unmute it.
2: Okay, right under the where it says Audio One, there's a mute button. Okay, hit that shit.
1: Audio One
2: or whatever one. track you're recording on.
1: Nice. All right, I'm back. Woo, woo. Just, I'm, All I'm, right. I'm definitely leaving that in though. That's that stays in.
2: So when people listen to this, they'll hear me answer your question, but not your question. Listen,
1: here's the deal. Um,
2: <laughs> it's fucking cursed today. Huh? I
1: got a well. I got a cough. I got a cough. And uh, I'm sick all the time because of this fucking kid and his daycare that he loves so much. And that he always throws in our face about how much he loves the fucking daycare. And then he brings us every germ there is. I'm sick all the time.
2: You need a physical cough button in between your microphone and the computer, but (laughs) since you don't have one. That's right.
1: I used to have one that I'd accidentally sit on and then I'd panic and not understand why I couldn't, why no (laughs) one could hear me. Now I've found the actual button. Thank you for showing me that. Here, I'm going to test it out. I'm back. See? All right. This is good stuff. Uh, If you hit
2: solo, it'll mute every other track, but that's not useful if you're just recording one track.
1: No, no. I'll just stick with mute for now, everybody. (laughs) Ah, pod business. I'm good at this. I've only been doing... Look, this is only my 278th episode of this, so... I'm, 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 my learning curve is exactly where it should be.
2: Hey, um, DJ Hero never was interesting to me. No. I was more interested in music adjacent games in Donkey Konga, to be honest. Or what was the Taiko drummer one? Oh, yeah. That that one one I would have
1: liked better. Yeah, that one would have been pretty okay. Because you can really get into some Taiko drumming. You've got to use your whole body. I mean, I live in San Jose, so you know that I can.
2: It's because there's a lot of festivals in Japantown with taiko drumming.
1: Yeah, it's like a a regular assembly thing that happens too at school. They come in and they yep. do their taiko drumming.
2: And then you go, it's pretty good, but it really is just drumming, huh?
1: Yeah, no, that's it. They ain't playing. I mean, every you know, once there's... while they shout. They yeah, but they ain't no uh, you know any cool traditional instruments that come along with it for sure.
2: He writes, so I will henceforth refer to her only as wife until I forget that commitment and revert to calling her wifey. He also writes, I think I was like 25 when I learned that my brother pitched a no-hitter in the Colt League World Series in 1987.
1: I mean, that's pretty cool. No-hitter's nice. Yeah, man. But
2: That's the highest league in that organization, right?
1: Yeah, it's like 13-year-olds or something. Yeah, because Pony 14? is
2: before Colt, right?
1: Oh, uh, so 14-year-olds then maybe? I don't know how yeah, old you can be like for Colt, but yeah, I mean you're starting to get almost to high, like high where high school pitchers will be. Yeah,
2: he says, "I wish I'd known that when I was a kid and been more proud of him." But um, and that's very fair.
1: No, I mean, look, um, um all of my athletic achievements basically end at age ten as well. So like, I'm not throwing stones, but like, if you're if the your cool sports achievement is before you were like 15 years old, they don't really matter. No one should be that proud about it,
2: so I should stop telling people about the third place I got in the sixth grade science fair.
1: Well, I said athletic achievement does that count? Is that what you consider athletics?
2: I guess it wasn't that athletic, and also dad wrote it <laughs> so he got really got really charged up on the issues surrounding fur farming and wrote this whole fucking report. Jeez, really? yeah,
1: was he upset that he only got third place?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> I didn't th- selfishly. I didn't think to ask if he was bothered by the fact that other sixth graders got a better <laughs> medal than he did.
1: I hope it was other sixth graders' parents. But
2: <clears throat> uh, to be fair, it was not an experiment at all. Sure, it was literally just a report.
1: Well, R.I.P. Man. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. always remember. Now, starting now, that he got third place in that. uh... <sighs> Science thing? I already forgot it.
2: I still have that medal somewhere.
1: Uh, Is it with with all of
2: my swimming club ribbons?
1: What about your spelling bee trophy?
2: That unfortunately got too smashed up along the the way. Those trophies are very special. And it fell on your head once and that wasn't great for it.
1: No, it did loosen up a bit. After the bonk on my head. Uh, it wanged my it is, head and it, and it, uh, and then after that, it did a little dance when you moved it around.
2: It's just held together with long threaded rods and wing nuts and stuff, but I think the plastic broke to the point where you, you couldn't reasonably tighten it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Ryan says, okay, that's fair. You've put in the hours. So we talked about, uh, rubric
1: scores, et cetera. Yeah, we said that, and how you much know, of
2: this we're watching.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he's, uh, he's gonna fucking try to pass himself off as an expert and he's got to join this fucking project and he can take my place and that's fine he can do do three a week for the next 30 weeks or whatever
2: he um he could but he won't he also wrote picard definitely jumps the shark unfortunately i feel like the dialogue in discovery is pretty good but the plots are a bit weird
1: yeah, I don't I mean, even know what the plot for sure weird. I don't even know what they are. I couldn't describe them to you if if I had to. Uh I don't know. The dialogue's pretty good, except it's hella weird. They'll be like in the middle of a massive emergency and they'll have like a three minute heart to heart. You know, like the ship's like shaking all around them and everything. And it's... I don't really get it. Just do action or don't, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, everybody loves Michelle Yeoh, right?
1: She had quite a comeback the last couple of years. <coughs> She's, she was in that movie that everybody liked. Uh, every, everybody, Everything Everywhere every, All at Once. Yeah, there it is.
3: Um,
2: I have not yet seen that.
1: That was a good movie. I, I do recommend that.
2: <clears throat> well, you know, I don't see no movies.
1: So, no, you uh, ain't seen that one.
2: I ain't seen that one. Yeah. Um, you know who else has
1: never seen that one? Whatever that one is? Our mother. Every single time Marjana or I talk about a movie, she's like, I haven't seen that. And Marjan's yeah, answer is always, would you like to?
2: She's not, of course. <laughs> she's not so much, uh, oh, I don't watch movies, I ain't got to see that movie, as she is. <coughs> uh, I never got to go to see any
1: movies. Yeah, so. well, you know, because yeah. of your father. Yeah, movie. Your father didn't <laughs> want to watch any movies. <clears throat> I
2: mean, he would watch endless foreign movies, so I don't know what she's talking about.
1: Yeah. That was his fucking... He turn on Bravo back when that's all they played. And you just watched foreign movies all day long. And tape them. And tape them all. Yep. I gotta tape these six random foreign movies on Bravo today. It's important. This is my schedule for today.
2: Listen, that was important. If you didn't have a computer in your house until 1998, but you needed to see a boob sometimes.
1: You needed to see... A loving foreign-directed boob. Yep. Yep.
2: That was not sexy, really, but you didn't have that many options.
1: No, there was too much going on. Too much yeah. pathos.
2: Uh, I don't need fun. that
1: much pathos with my boobs. It
2: gets her boob out, and you're just like, I just feel
1: sorry for her. Yeah, this is a kind of an unfortunate situation.
3: <laughs> I
2: think, <clears> that, Europe, I think what we, we
1: should what like. if I'm sad about everyone's situation in this film, and now I'm kind of sad about everyone's situation in general. Bravo. He
2: didn't videotape like Porky's.
1: Nah, that wasn't his style. Like um raunchy comedies. Not really his style.
2: I mean, he would have laughed like crazy at him, but he wouldn't have taped him. <laughs> and he would have been embarrassed at laughing at
1: them. All right, but would he have laughed more at Porky's or at Perfect Strangers?
2: Oh, Perfect Strangers really had his number and he hated That was it, his, it his
1: kryptonite. <laughs> he was devastated by Perfect Strangers. And I get it, man. I, I watched all of season one and two, and I was like, these aren't very good at all. And I laughed a lot because. Fucking well, Bronson toon-toons.
2: Pinchot shows up in season two of Our Flag Means Death, and he fucking came on the screen, and Katie goes, Is that Balky Bartolomeo's?
1: And I said, Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's how it, him. That's what everybody said at the same time as you when he walked into this scene, because even though that show was from 1988 or whatever, he will only ever be known. As Balky Bartakobos Or Cousin Balky. But uh, well, never, ever. Ryan
2: ever, writes, I'm not playing STO, but I do appreciate hearing really that be Bronson some Pincho. continuity about the grave robbing. It's not some continuity. It's the longest and worst arc in the game. Um, Yeah. It's in there a lot. Yeah. But you do also get to find out what happens to those bluegills from Season 1 of TNG.
1: Um... What did happen to the Bluegills? I don't actually remember that.
2: Well, it turns out they are also puppets of the Iconians, and they get into the Vaudoir and start giving the Vaudoir leader super strength. Mm. And you have to expose that conspiracy.
1: Is the Vaudoir leader that guy who uh, was in charge of the, is... the stasis pods?
2: No, it's Gaul, the real okay. one. Okay. <clears throat> the guy who halfway through, it turns out, was the leader. And the, the guy who
1: night. shows up, but he's in charge, and you go in Okay, that's good. it
2: makes sense, but like...
1: That's good that he's in charge, because I thought the other guy was in charge, and that was weird. First guy they woke up. How lucky is that? Yeah.
2: uh, Well, listen, it's like uh, wharf being also being decorated. A lot of assumptions were being made.
1: I love the uh, the clenched jaw and the look on his face. He can't even see the rest of the personnel files after his comes up.
2: Well, first of all, there aren't many left. He's near the bottom. He's
1: really low. But he just turns and around going. and goes,
2: fuck. Even in season five or whatever, he's very low in the ship ship's rankings. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Uh, we had a Scorigami on the fifth. Houston 39, Tampa Bay
1: 37. Yeah. Um, low
2: scoring to be a Scorigami, but I guess... 37 maybe is a weird score.
1: Yeah, I think I, the only reason I posted this is because it, they had to... It got this crazy score because the Houston kicker got hurt in the first quarter, and they didn't have a backup kicker. And so oh, they, they kept having to go one, for huh? two. Yeah, they didn't carry one. They kept having to go punter for two. Can't,
2: one of these teams where there's a punter, but he can't place kick. This is what I'm saying. If you're a punter... The third-string quarterback can, uh, can punt because anyone can punt a little.
1: Well, yeah, anyone can just kick the ball, and it'll go as far as it goes, I guess. But yeah, like yeah,
2: anything. Anything's better than turning it over right here, basically, <laughs> you know, kick it backwards. Yeah. Try
1: not to kick it backwards. That's all we're saying, man. Yeah. um, Yeah. It was I don't know what these fucking punters are doing all week. You learn how to kick a fucking 30 yard field goal or something. It's not <laughs> it's a, big a deal. real
2: good. Do they have to rest their knees?
1: Maybe. Uh, maybe. You know how it is. I didn't like the old days
2: <laughs> where a person could punt and place kick. You got to. Yeah. You can't expect that no more.
1: So they had their backup running back doing the kickoffs. Because oh, wow. they, they, they trusted him to kick it sort of far, but like they didn't think he could kick it straight or nothing.
2: Yeah, the field goal is a very different piece of technology than just one kick from a tee that's always in the same place. And however far you get it, you get it and we'll just deal with it.
1: <clears throat> then on the second to last possession, they suddenly changed their mind and said, we're going to let you try it. <laughs> and they went out for a field goal and the guy nailed like a short field goal, like a 33 yarder or something. And then was on just the last like, possession,
2: frantically practicing on the sidelines the whole time.
1: Uh, I I assume because uh, I don't think he got any carries. I think once he was the kicker again, they were like, "Oh, you we're not we're not throwing you in the game and risking getting our other kicker injured." <clears throat> but then on the last possession, they switched right back and they scored a touchdown and they went, "No, nah, we better go for two again." <laughs> we we don't trust this guy to kick an extra point here or nothing. So, like, the score was hella weird the whole time because they, most of the time, did not have the confidence to even try an extra point. But then randomly, they're like, yeah, no, nah, I got there and gave that field goal a chance, and then he nailed it. Anyway. So weird. Oh, fucking weird game.
2: It must have been exactly the right distance where they're like, uh, a fucking touchback is no big deal here.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> if we turn it over here, it's not the end of the world.
2: But it's too way too far to go for two, or to try to score a touchdown on fourth down, you know?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so they yeah. won that game. Uh, p- playing that crazy style,
2: and then they picked someone up off waiver wires, right?
1: Oh, I assume they got another kicker. Yeah, right. <laughs> now they ain't letting that guy continue to kick.
2: Uh, on the tenth, you posted uh, "Fun with Maths." This is an interview with uh Terrence Howard. Uh, Terrence Howard is a man who has believed for. When did he get replaced in the Marvel movies by Don Cheadle?
1: Oh, man. Well, that was a long time ago now. 2010 or something? It's been a fucking
2: while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since then, (coughs) he has broken math wide open. Yeah. Uh, Forget all this stuff you've heard about 1 plus 1 equals (coughs) 2. Actually, 1 times 1 equals 2. And he Uh will talk for a long time about it if you let him. Yes. And it is... (sighs) There are more advanced versions of this guy that pop up in ask physics, ask science, Mm -hmm. math, etc. Where someone thinks they fucking they fucking thought of something that no one else has ever thought of before. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. will not back down.
1: And like I don't wanna I don't know if you're gonna play the clip or not, but like
2: I'm not I'm not because I don't wanna fucking load it up, but
1: Okay. So his main problem seems to be with the terminology. Uh huh. He's real hung up on what the definition of the word "multiply" is. Instead of just being like, "That's just what we call this operation, buddy. It's not a big deal. Yeah, just he, because, it doesn't have to technically make the number get bigger. It's fine. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah.
2: If you said to him, "Listen, man, this is asking you if you had one group with one unit in. Yeah. It, how many units are there total?
1: That's the, the that's it, bad. man." Don't worry about the word multiply and what you think it means means. in all situations. Just like that's literally his entire argument is like, but where's the, it's not multiplying. If one times one is one, it's not multiplying anything. The number's the same. It didn't get bigger. And you're like, that's not the point, Terrence Howard, but please talk for another half hour because this is amazing.
2: Yeah. I mean, you want to tell him, hey, you know, a half times a quarter, it's an eighth. How messed up is that? fucking that's jacked up it got even smaller it didn't just not get (laughs) that's right got smaller my man
1: that would probably make him furious furious
2: he probably thinks an eighth is bigger than a quarter though
1: okay so should i not send uh video clips then from now on
3: i
2: i mean i'm not gonna gonna be able to
1: play this uh this robocop one either then huh
2: twitter don't fucking uh, let's see if i can get it to load on this (laughs) ipad
1: because this this robocop one made me laugh so hard I just kept going back to it throughout the day. I was just
2: going to fucking read this RoboCop one. (laughs) So what I'm going to play, if Twitter loads, it's a big if, is a clip from a RoboCop documentary (laughs) that I understand to be like a four-hour documentary of RoboCop.
1: You should definitely pick a real shitty movie and make the documentary way longer than the shitty movie, for sure. Uh Uh-huh,
2: yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna turn the volume down here just so I can get it queued to the right spot. Because okay. it is fucking autoplaying because this is a garbage website. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What are you talking about? It works great.
2: All right, so this is from the documentary. <laughs> and it's genuinely, this is as good as anything in any sketch show. <laughs> yep. I went
0: upstairs and I was carrying, I don't know, about eight Oreos in a you know, stack. I'd hand him his weapon, I'd say, Peter, safety's off. And he wouldn't take the pistol. And he says, Robo wants an Oreo. And I looked at him and go, no, it's just you and I, Peter. (laughs) Robo doesn't get an Oreo. Peter wants an Oreo. Peter can have an Oreo. And he clip-clops in the suit over to the edge of the railing, and Peter starts bellowing, Robo wants an Oreo. (laughs) And when the steel mill just echoes, Randy has Oreos, and Robo wants an Oreo. And Steve Lim over the radio goes, um, Randy, do you have Oreos? So I stuffed that whole stack in my mouth and then crunched them and let them fall down three stories onto everybody below me. And I, not anymore. And Robo got upset. I haven't got a damn clue about <laughs> Randy Moore and his fucking Oreos. <laughs> I- it's so good.
1: They, they, in the documentary, they've animated this whole scene. It's an animated reenactment, as this guy's describing it. And I love, one, I love the idea that Peter Weller, is that his name? Thought yeah. that it was a, an important thing to like method act his way through the uh-huh. movie Robocop. Yeah. Yeah, and that he, he had to walk Robo-Cop. around and tell everyone that he was Robocop and that Robo wanted something. And two, that the director or whoever that was, was against that idea. And yeah, wanted him to this, cut the shit.
2: This fucking property master or whoever that went up there to hand him his pistol, <laughs> armor or on the set or whatever, is like, no, I'm not, do- I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. The- letting. If you- Peter wants an Oreo, Peter can have an Oreo.
1: <laughs> I'm not letting you method act for Robocop. Sorry. You have to say, I- my name is Peter fucking Weller, and I want a fucking Oreo.
2: And an old ass Peter Weller at the end saying, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> about Randy Moore and his fucking Oreos.
1: It's so good because it implies to me that this is not the first time someone has asked him about no. this Oreo story, and it is furious. It's infuriating no, this, to him that he does not remember that it happened. This and guy has it- been
2: fucking dining out on this story <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> He's been fucking in every bar or uh, train station, any public place. He's fucking waiting to hear the word RoboCop so he yep. can go over there and say, you know, I worked with Peter Weller on You won't RoboCop. believe us,
1: but Peter Weller was kind of a method actor. <laughs> And, uh, you know, one time we were up there and I had like a stack of Oreos. <coughs> and then he just goes with this Oreo story. And clearly, this has gotten back to Peter Weller a fucking so many times. Yep. Because he's so aggravated at it being asked about it again by this documentarian.
2: Uh, and it's a fucking perfect piece of filmmaking. <laughs> Not only is it animated, as you say, but like when he talks about Stephen Lim getting on the radio, they just cut to a silent shot of Stephen, just L- sitting Stephen there, Stephen Lim sitting in a chair, <laughs> who presumably. They fact-checked this story with, by the way.
1: Yeah, but did, what did he say? Did he say that didn't happen? Because he's not part of the story. Nope. He doesn't say a fucking thing. Oh, man, it's so... It, honestly, it is the perfect minute of filmmaking. Again, I watched it over and over all day. I just kept going back to it and going, what the fuck am I looking at? If Peter it wants is an Oreo, Peter like can the, have an Oreo. The
2: first minute of an I-think-you-should-leave sketch <laughs> that would then get out of control.
1: Yeah, you would think you understood where the skit was going and it would instead... <laughs> It would be about the, the Jamie Taco stealing all his lines because he said them faster or whatever.
2: <clears throat> that was a good one.
1: When he talks shit about his wife at the poker game, it instantly feels it bad feels when he remembers so how supportive it. she was when he wanted to be a community actor. But then it turns into <laughs> now he can't say any of his lines before Jamie Taco says them. <laughs> and so now they're you Jamie Taco's lines. Yeah, now they're his. yeah anyway uh yes i plan on watching that documentary i'm gonna figure out how to watch it and i'm gonna watch it because that is the perfect uh, minute of advertising for that film
2: oh absolutely and it's just and if you if you go to this and you go to the thread and you scroll down the comments that people have gifs of rick james talking about of course i didn't mess up his couch i got more sense than that yeah i I remember
1: fucking up his couch so good (sighs) loved it loved every minute minute of that one very
2: happy to watch that yeah uh and then just half an hour ago literally 12 minutes into this segment of the recording uh ryan tweeted curious how did necessary evil score on the rubric with a uh a link to an article titled deep space nine was at its best when it questioned its own characters
1: uh, 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 which one was that again?
2: It is a season two episode where it turns out that Kira is the one who planted that fucking bomb or whatever, and it's a flashback.
1: Ah. Uh, um. How did it do?
2: Uh, it scored a th- uh, 37 on our rubric and won the week. I gave it an 18, and you gave it a 19, so there wasn't a lot of disagreement, and it got a 10 for world building.
1: Damn! Well, I guess, yep, so. you know, 37's not, like, the best score in the world, but it's above average.
2: It turns so. out that uh, week 27 was not a good week. Um, it had the alternative factor, which oh, I think is the one with
1: Lazarus. That's a, that's one of my favorite episodes. I mean, it I didn't score good. it. Like, I only gave it nine points, but I enjoyed it so fucking it has, much.
2: Uh, where Silence has least... The Voyager episode of <laughs> Resistance, I don't know <laughs> nothing about that. But the, uh, that that's the week that Enterprise gave us Carbon Creek, Yeah. where I got so mad about having to see T-Pole's bolt-ons through that hanging yep. laundry.
1: Oh, I remember it. I'll, Plus I'll always the have to remember. fucking
2: twist ending at the end that, I mean, was she there? Yeah, who, who fucking is knows? This about T-Pole? Who you know, fucking
1: knows? Uh, who knows? Maybe it was a make up but why does she have that bag? I, mean, I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. All right, it's so a bag so, or something uh, that man, she
2: has? A bad week, but a thirty seven wins most weeks. So. I just
1: love that Carbon Creek is one of those where we had very different but not like not like I had it good and you had it bad. You had it like really, really, <laughs> really, really yeah. bad and I just had it but bad. It was, yeah, there was a definitely a delta, but uh
2: it was it was bad on both parts. <laughs> <sighs> and that closes the mailbag, which means
1: Time to do this thing.
2: We gotta we gotta do the thing. Okay. So, we're discussing episodes from week 138, starting with uh, last week's Absolute Dog, TNG. Yeah. This week we watched... I shouldn't have said Absolute Dog. That's going to seem like a pun, but it wasn't. (laughs) This week we watched the Dog Heavy episode.
1: This week's Absolute Dog. (laughs) Aquiel.
2: The Enterprise is on a supply run to a communication relay station near the Klingon border. I guess there weren't any excelsiors available.
1: No, this does seem like some absolute trash duty.
2: Um, but when they get there and they hail, no one answers. Riker, Geordie, and Beverly beam over. Wait, let them take warp. From-
1: is that not why they were on their way there? Because it hadn't been nope. responding. No, they're just nope. They're just going there for reasons. Okay, supply run. Interesting. <clears throat> <sighs>
2: Riker, Geordi, and Beverly beam over. Um, there's a huge volume of unencrypted subspace communications just playing openly in the station, so they shut that off because it's irritating. And then once it's quiet again, they hear uh, some banging, and they find a dog in a Jeffrey's tube. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the relay station shuttlecraft is missing, and there is some caked-on goopy residue, presumably of one of the station's lieutenants. Uh, just on the deck plating.
1: Yeah, it's weird, because uh, they say over and over again that they can't fucking... Uh, they can't read anything in there anyway. It's all just goop. But they seem yeah. very sure that it's the remains of somebody.
2: Yep. They couldn't... It does At no point, I think, does it occur to anyone that two people can fit in one shuttlecraft. Yep. That they could both have gone? Never comes up. Nope. Uh, Worf cuts out the section of floor with a phaser, because I guess Geordi didn't bring any tools or anything.
1: No, he brought his, uh, 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 he brought that, um, that little stick that lights up, that, like, flashes. The flashy stick.
2: Yep. He brought his weird probe. Yeah, that's it. That's and all later, operate. he'll have a kind of, um, spying backpack that lets him <laughs> listen in on a little girl's diary. Yeah. Uh. uh yeah. Worf phases this piece of floor out to take back to the Enterprise. <coughs> but Crusher's also, there's blood also all over the place that we don't really see. Mm-hmm and uh, it turns out uh, Dr. Crusher can tell from her tricorder right there that all the blood belongs to Lieutenant Aquiel Unari, and so everyone assumes that the other lieutenant, Keith Rocha, killed her, took the shuttlecraft, and left. Yeah. Geordi also finds evidence that someone was trying to break into the coded subspace message channel, and I was very happy to hear him say this, because when they fucking beamed in there, and you could just hear everyone's (laughs) private conversations, I was deeply
1: upset. Yep. I did describe it as a subspace monitoring station where they hella listen to all your private calls.
2: Yeah, the fucking Federation Patriot Act lets them do it. And, uh, and, you know, when they passed it, it seemed like the Cardassian War was going to turn out to be a lot bigger thing, I guess. (laughs) Um... Whoever tried to get into these encoded messages also uh, tripped a security lockout of some kind. And Jordy's is going to stay behind with the dog to uh, work on that. But even though he says that's what he's there to do, the very first thing he does is listen to a station log given by Aquilinari, and then immediately write into her letters to her sister.
1: <laughs> it's all because the writers made her say in the end of one of those logs that she was going to start one of her... Fucking private correspondence messages Uh or something. For some reason, that gets fucking uh, lumped in with the other message that she's giving, and then he's like, ooh, I want to hear those. Yeah, But there's no reason she would have said that in that message, just that the writers had to find a reason for Jordy to look at her shit.
2: Uh, As you say, these remains are so fused into the metal of this deck plate that Dr. Crusher can't get nothing out of them. She thinks uh, whoever they belong to was killed by a high-level phaser blast. Riker raises an eyebrow and asks if it could be a disruptor blast because this thing's hanging right on the edge of Klingon space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also because someone was trying to tamper with the secure messages. But, um, yeah, this was an act of violence. Geordi um, seems to have spent about an hour at this point trying to get a picture of Aquail on the screen. <laughs> For no engineering reason that I can think of, but yeah. then when her face no, I, does honestly, appear, Honestly,
1: he's so frustrated at that snow on the screen, and I fucking got uh-huh. it. I understood. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm not know, here for this. I know there's video. I'm not here for this, but this is some bullshit, and I have to fix this. It's so aggravating <laughs> that it just does snow. I'm like, ch- I'm checking the, the inputs. I'm like, is this fucking on auxiliary? What 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 input am I on here? Is this one of so the, the need HDMIs? To be on three or four? What's happening? <laughs>
2: Yeah, the fucking coded messages can wait at this one. He's got to fix this fucking message so (laughs) he can see the lady.
1: It's like if he got there and the fucking Wi-Fi was down, that would have been all I was doing the whole time. It's like, no, 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 no. I got to get this Wi-Fi fixed, though. It's very important.
2: Well, her face eventually pops on the screen, and then there's a big swell in the music that tells the Mm. whole story. Uh... Geordi is very taken by the image of this beautiful dead girl. Now, we have covered this before, and I think we don't know what Geordi sees when he looks at a flat screen.
1: Yep. Is he seeing anything at all? Can he read? Honestly, Does can he, he see read? see her aura? Just tell us.
2: What's going on here? And again, this, <laughs> did, this didn't have to be a, This could have been a story about Barkley. They could have brought Barkley over to do yeah. this.
1: Honestly, only the fact that Geordi is uh, kind of a sad sack I mean, with the ladies. I mean, that part kind of makes sense, that he'd be, like, falling for the... Uh, first, dead girl, and then, <laughs> spoiler alert, murder suspect.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Well, on the video, she sings an alien song to her sister, and then she repeats this bad dream that she's been talking about for the second time. She says she thinks she's been having these dreams because that Klingon has been getting more aggressive. Um, It turns out her dad used to hit her or something, yeah. and she's being re-stimulated by this Klingon Morag and she's all alone in space. She got nowhere to run. Jordy hears this and runs all of it by Picard, and he puts a call into the Klingon governor, Torak, who does not want to help in any way, and yep. tries to bluster through it by pretending to be offended or whatever, until Picard subtly threatens to take it up with Gowron. Yeah, <clears throat> Changes his tune. One of Picard's um, favorite
1: tricks. I'll just go talk yes. to Gowron, don't worry about it, I got Gowron.
2: Yep. <clears throat> Picard is a big believer in the old boy network.
1: And honestly, this guy gets so scared and you think, oh, he's up to some shit and he doesn't want Gowron looking into his business. like, Oh yeah, and Picard knows he's up to
2: something. And also Picard doesn't give a shit, doesn't care what it is. Yep. Probably assumes it's not at all related to Morag harassing. Uh, the station, probably assumes this guy's just up to all kind of shit, and he don't want anyone poking
1: around. But it must be like, Garron must have a very different reputation from some of these fucking worthless chancellors, where it seems like Garron will come and fucking micromanage your shit if he shows up. So oh, yeah. So, you do not want him around.
2: Well, he's probably looking... Garron is an outsider, and he's probably looking to replace people with his own dudes.
1: That's right. He's probably doing some fucking loyalty tests when he shows up.
2: Uh-huh. Um... Jordy has brought all of Aquiel's logs back to his bedroom Mm. to watch in private all night. (laughs) He says, later he says he was up all night. Yep. Uh, And then he sings that
1: song Tape You by Nerd. (laughs) Which I think was an interesting choice for that episode.
2: That was an interesting choice, especially since this episode predates that album by eight years.
1: Six years? False. There's no way.
2: Um... In the last one, he watches. Aquil hears a strange noise and gets all worried. Um, but I don't think that's relevant.
1: Yeah, like, she's. I don't like, think
2: that was footage of the attack because he sure does watch a bunch more after
1: that. Yeah. Um. Uh, I guess maybe with hindsight, maybe that was the dog doing something that a coalescent, uh, fucking what like organism would do. I don't know.
2: I mean, presumably the, the coalescent organism was not in the dog at that point.
1: Oh, then then maybe she heard. That <coughs> maybe Rocha went. was banging
2: pans around
1: that like, <laughs> way. She does think it's Rocha, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um. Now, Worf has gone over there with a, his own tricorder, which he has set to Klingon, and he finds, yeah, there's Klingon DNA all over this piece.
3: Yeah.
2: It's not mine. Um, I promise. This isn't.
1: I'm not picking myself up from fucking yesterday or whatever.
2: He doesn't have to phase or anything or do anything. As with Doctor Crusher, just waving his tricorder around is enough here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Riker comes to talk to Jordy about how everything's going, but and Jordy answers him. But he don't care about none of that because he is very charmed with this uh idea that Jordy has fallen in love with a ghost.
1: Yeah, he gives that Riker a smile.
2: Yeah, he's big into this idea, like. I presume because he thinks this woman is never coming back and this is harmless and ultimately Jordy's not going to roofie anyone. So it's okay. This is just a fun quirk, I guess.
1: But also, boy, that'd be a weird thing for Riker, of all people, to be worried about. (coughs) Riker, the probable rapist.
2: Aside from that one episode, (coughs) it does seem like Riker is mainly interested in consent.
1: Yes, well, he 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 tells that servant, tells her that I don't want you to do anything for me except this thing I'm telling you you definitely have to do for me which is not treat me the way that you have learned to treat people
2: yeah also I would I do want to order you to make me dinner
1: yeah please uh,
3: yeah
2: um, everyone gets called back to the enterprise where Torok brings in an injured but alive Aquiel Unari mm. she tells Picard that Rocha attacked her suddenly one day and she doesn't remember what happened next. She just woke up in the shuttle. Well, now she looks like a big killer. And yeah. everyone assumes that the residue on the deck plate belongs to Rocha. But Beverly's dragging her heels on this one. She still hasn't figured out the right combination of <laughs> lasers and scrapey things to uh, to get access to the actual matter. It's
1: true. There's like a real fucking <laughs> basic roadblock to her part of this episode, to her entire yes. plotline, and it's like, she cannot figure out the physical process that she needs to do to get a sample. It <laughs> it
2: has is, to it's very realistic and very embarrassing. Yes, it has to take her a long time or the script doesn't work. And so she just has to, They constantly has to be a thing where she's like, I still don't know. She has I to I
1: keep say. saying to Picard, it's fucking stuck on there, man. I don't know what to man, do. Man, I'm
2: telling you, it's like caked on. We soaked it overnight.
1: I spent the last hour just hitting it with with like a, hitting it with a fucking screwdriver, just hoping to get like a chip of it off. (laughs) Nothing is fucking happening. I don't care if it
2: fucks up the diamond plate. I'm going
1: hard on this thing. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: but nothing's happening. I swear to God, I'm trying though.
2: The pans are right. I mean, the diamond plates are right off, but I'm fucking scrubbing. Let me tell you. Um. Torak agrees to allow Enterprise to speak to Morag, since there is still the matter of the Klingon DNA to deal with. Meanwhile, Geordi takes Aquiel to pick up her dog, and then to Ten Forward. Presumably somewhere in here she gets a shower and a clean uniform, because in Ten Forward she doesn't have all cuts and blood on her anymore. Yep. And uh, I also presume Geordi st- stood in her living room, even though she would have preferred he wait outside.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. he probably said something like, I know you're, you're probably pretty jittery right now i'll stay out here um no i'm okay keep watch
2: you could uh, no don't okay. worry I'll about stay it right here
1: you don't worry about it though i got it i'm gonna uh, I'm stay right here with the dog and we're gonna be you're You'd, gonna be okay
2: you definitely have the door code right yep that's right no one's gonna lock you in here i have all the door codes
1: <laughs> hold on i'm gonna go change my sweater Ah, oh, man, does he put on a good one later? Dude, um, dude, 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 dude. Their, their outfits in the last fucking scene are some fucking Andre 3000 as hell fucking casual outfits. I love is, them so much. It's wild stuff, for sure. Yeah. She
2: definitely dresses like he was, said he was going to take her to the opera until he showed up at the door. And then she was like, oh, okay. Uh, he's, dressed
1: again. The, he's dressed like some kind of clown. I, I don't think we're going to the opera.
2: Okay. um, Jordy speaks a little Huliian to her and claims it's because his family traveled around a lot growing up and not that he's been on Lingo Deer brushing up on Huliian since he saw since he found out she was alive.
1: Yep. He's done um, the first unit entirely.
2: But then he does immediately give the game away and reveal that, yeah, no, no, he has been watching all of her logs.
1: He's not subtle. She's like uh, something about how they only, they lived in the same house their whole childhood. He's mm-hmm, like, the mm, one on the hill. The one on the hill.
2: Where you ate funjili all the time. <laughs>
1: with your husband huh why didn't you tell me you were married <laughs> sorry i got some got some things
2: he tells her on. that wig wasn't you and she doesn't say aren't you blind
1: <laughs> what do you mean when you looked at it what did you see <laughs> no one says it no one ever says it to him but i think it all the time what did that look like to you what do you mean though Ah, yeah.
2: oh man can you imagine how many points i would score an episode if something visually interesting happened and then everyone else walked off the set and it lingered a little bit and Linda Larson or someone just turned to Jordan and said, what did that look like to you? <laughs> so many points.
1: Or they've already had this conversation before and she turns around and says, uh, the writing was in Klingon. That's why everyone's freaked out.
2: <laughs> everyone's freaked out because the writing's in Klingon. I know We'd you be can't. like, Oh, right, right, right. okay, I got you. <laughs> I know you can't actually read the writing on those pads because there's not enough contrast. Yeah, I was just going to stroke my chin and nod really, for a yeah.
1: while. So everyone <clears> thought <throat> I knew what was happening.
2: Yeah, that'd be wild. Um, she forgives him for that, and then he slips into some um, victim blaming, asking her why she did things that provoked Rocha, yeah, why she is the way she is, <laughs> and he's not alone. Riker has done some digging into everyone's personnel files because that's he knows how to access those for his job, yeah, and, and it. It turns out that Roach's record is spotless. And That's Acquiel why he got transferred
1: a- to that monitoring station in the middle of nowhere because of his perfect fucking record.
2: Ockwell's a known troublemaker, but both of these guys ended up at fucking relay
1: station forty-seven, listening to everyone's <laughs> private conversations all day. <laughs> Imagine if you had a spotless record and you're like, man, I'm going places. People are going to notice me. I'm going to get a big promotion. And they're like, you've been promoted.
2: showed up and it was
1: Todd from middle <laughs> school who listened to Allison Chains and smoked
2: too much weed. And you're like, oh, well, I do technically outrank him, but we're both lieutenants. You're,
1: uh, you've are uh, you been promoted. You're going to be managing one other person on a relay station with two people total. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> and then that's Enjoy your that. fucking job. It is a year-long
2: assignment. Oof. Ugh. Uh, Aquiel is a known troublemaker. Also, the relay station is definitely missing a phaser. Uh-oh. No reason a Klingon would take one, I guess. It's gotta be Aquiel. Yep. Aquiel, as though she has heard this, asks a if he thinks she's a killer. And he says no, and she touches <coughs> his face. Yeah. But Worf finds that missing phaser in the Shuttlecraft glove box, my favorite development in all of this series. There's a little fucking glove box right under the dashboard just where you'd put
1: oh, it. Oh, why not? They got all kinds of compartments and things. Uh, if he had pulled out a fucking map. Mm. If this thing had any continuity, he should have like popped out one of those... Uh, oh, you know, those uh, breathy suits that uh, Rogo Danar was finding in those all those other cabinets. <laughs> yeah. They got those, those everywhere. You know, that was that cool misdirect he did where he's like, I'm going to make him think I wanted to go outside, idiots.
2: Uh, Well, Riker and Worf go to grill Aquiel, but it's not very productive. For one thing, Geordi's in the room with her and he keeps stepping in. He wants to go back and look for Rocha's records, which he previously hasn't cared about. But uh, Riker takes him aside in the hallway as a friend and tells him, hey, man, maybe, like, I get it, you don't got a lot of options, but...
3: <laughs>
2: like, do you remember Atana Jal? Is, is does that did I ever tell anybody that name?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody. Did you have her card? You didn't have her card, did you, Jordy? Okay. Like her name was Atana
2: Jal. She was exciting, but she did want to take
1: over the whole Federation. Yeah, she was very close to winning. Uh, the big, the big Katarian Federation War that. Uh, was gonna take one day because she was just gonna take over the whole fucking fleet.
2: Anyway, what I'm saying to you, Jordy, my friend, is go knock one out in Holodeck Four. It can be about her. I, I mean, don't care.
1: You could just go play Basic Instinct, the Hollow Program. It's the same thing. <laughs> because this Re- Jordy, Jordy real life the guy,
2: Jordy always plays the guy who gets murdered with the ice pick in the beginning, though. He's <laughs> like, why do people like this? This is <laughs> dumb.
1: He uh, he says to Jordy, Jordy, real life. Is like basic instinct, but not sexy. <laughs> so go to the holodeck and play it right.
2: Jordy, it's like basic instinct, but when she crosses her legs and uncrosses her legs, it's like there's too much bush. You can't see nothing.
1: Yeah, it's just bush in there.
2: You're just like, I knew... I mean, yeah, it's a bush. I knew that was there. You know about
1: aliens and bush.
2: <sighs> Jordy ain't listening. No. Back on the station, he finds that one of Rocha's logs has been deleted, and he does not he does not enjoy this discovery.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
2: We don't know why, but he's putting two and two together here in his head about who may have done that deleting. Uh, meanwhile, Morag shows up, and under pressure, admits to having taken the encrypted messages, but he claims the station was unoccupied when he arrived. Um, and I mean, what reason does he have to lie? Taking of 27 encoded messages is the same thing as murdering someone, right? So... <laughs> Why would you lie? <laughs> um, they put him in jail or something. Now, Jordy confronts Aquiel about having deleted this file from Roach's logs. And she says, yeah, no, he had written a letter to ask for a formal hearing, uh, accusing me of insubordination. And because, um, because I read all of his logs, I deleted that.
1: Yeah, I read his so, logs and his logs definitely made me look like I might have done a murder on him. So then I get yeah. this suspicious other thing.
2: Uh, she knows that she's got a bad reputation in Starfleet, and she didn't. She says she didn't think she was gonna get a fair hearing, but she insists to Jordy that she didn't kill Roca. Rocha looks like Roca. Yep. And he tells her he believes her. And he kisses her on the mouth.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's like it's missing some of the TV code, so I don't know whether they did the nasty or not. But like. Just bad on. enough if they didn't. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, back-hugging and stuff. I didn't like it.
2: Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, now Beverly has gotten the ooze out, and but it, the DNA has destabilized and she's trying to reform it. This is the most Voyager-like scene. None yeah. of that makes sense. Um, but when she starts shooting it all up with space lasers to reform the DNA, it turns into a weird ooze, and reaches out like a tongue and touches her arm and then it turns into a duplicate of her hand yeah now Aquail reveals at this point that she is a little bit telepathic and that she has a special ceremony with jordy <laughs> using a special rock no 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 no
1: no 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 No, called the
2: Canar, No, it looks like a big glass paperweight. I'm not not going to let you get
1: me like that. I'm sorry. We actually, we've done this before on this ship. We've had the guy who shows up with the telepathic rock, and uh, no, I'm not going to, sorry, appreciate it and everything, but I'm not doing that. Sorry.
2: I'm not doing it, and I'm not getting my phaser taken away like a chump. Worf has still not (laughs) lived that down, so uh, definitely not. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. No, of course, he 100% agrees. In fact, <sighs> he guides her hands to his temples to take his visor off and leave him helpless.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 fucking crushing it today.
2: Now, Crusher has called the Dream Team, Picard, Riker, and Worf, down to sickbay to explain that she thinks that Rocha may have been replaced by a coalescent organism, a new thing that she's invented.
1: <laughs> it's pretty crazy. This is her
2: great theory. She says, normally, these are microscopic, but what if one wasn't?
1: What if one was, like, the size of, like, you know how if you get, like, a big virus and it, like, buzzes around like a giant mosquito or something? What if it was, like, that size? It really is a Voyager <laughs> episode, for sure, this week.
2: What if it, what if it got Harry Kim?" <laughs> what if, did it get Bellana? did it get Harry Kim who'd get
1: well it got lots of them but it was Neelix who no one ever goes to find we had to be oh, assumed okay. that weeks later someone found Neelix in a fucking Jeffrey's tube or something
2: yeah um yeah she is she is doing Theory Corner in a way that is so outlandish that you know it must be true because <laughs> the script doesn't have time for it to not be no, true no 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 yeah we're
1: gonna wrap this thing up <laughs>
2: The deal with this thing is, it absorbs a life form and becomes the thing that it absorbs. Uh Uh-huh. They now think, oh, okay, cool, so it did a great murder, and it then either turned into Akwe Lunari Mm. or Morag.
1: Yep. And um,
2: Those are the only two possibilities. Don't think about anything else that they found alive on that station.
1: My theory? Yeah, exactly right. My theory is that uh, it's going to be uh, days or maybe even weeks before it has yeah. to do it again. What is that based on? I don't know.
2: Oh, uh, uh, It's based on a projection. I that thought I about it. That I in my head. Right now, in <laughs> front of you. Well, the microscopic version, you know, the one that exists, <laughs> definitely cycles in, in every few seconds. Yeah. If we project that out to something the size of you know you know like, like a, a person or bigger
1: <laughs> bigger bigger than any dog for sure cuz it can't be a dog uh,
2: it could be days or weeks yeah no i didn't do any math i just assumed yep this is all just assumptions i didn't think about the difference in the size between a microbe and a person and think i should probably scale it up by a factor of a trillion <laughs> and then but you know from seconds to weeks is definitely a trillion so
1: we're cool <laughs> and then she's like so we should definitely just watch morag for some weeks i guess some weeks, I <laughs> yeah. guess, is the new plan for his prison sentence.
3: Yes.
2: Uh, Worf goes to uh, take Morag from his quarters to an actual jail so they could keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And Riker goes over to the station to get Aquiel, who, wouldn't you know it, is in the middle of her embarrassing sex ritual with Jordy. <laughs> when Riker walks in and tells her to step away from him. Both her of them seem to be okay. The crystal
1: though. was so much bigger than that Rome guy's uh-huh. crystal, and also it uh, glowed. As like she was
2: going to suck him dry in
1: minutes. Yeah, it glowed so many more colors. That thing was so powerful. Jordy, what are you doing? Think about it's it. It's like a fucking prop
2: guy came and said, "You know what? I'd like a second chance at that fucking crystal <laughs> that sucks your life form out, life force can out." We,
1: can we make that a part of this episode too? Somehow, maybe this is a thing that a lot of cultures do. In I space. just keep thinking I could do it better.
2: <laughs> Uh, everyone seems to be okay, though. These two ain't changed. You know, they're fine. They're just both in jail or whatever. <coughs> so Riker goes down to talk to Jordy. He's hanging out in his quarters with this dog. They're just hanging out with the dog and being real slow thinkers. Yep. yep, yep talking yep, about yep, yep, how yep, yep, both yep. of the possible changelings are going to be yep. kept under observation at a secure medical facility, etc., petting yeah. the dog.
1: No other do- No other dogs or people were on the station, <laughs> they say.
2: Riker leaves. Um, Jordy. Uh, Geordi goes over to his computer to do some, like, light admin, some scheduling work. And the dog comes over and starts biting Jordy's pants, and he sends her away. And then she goops into a big gold turd and starts <laughs> chasing him around his quarters.
1: I thought it was fucking Odo. Not Odo popped up.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, like, a worse Odo. A, pro- <laughs> a proto-Odo. This is one of the other changes. Proto-Odo
1: is a great point. episode title. I'm just gonna write it down.
2: Yeah. Um... Jordy goes over to his special plant nightstand and opens the drawer and pulls out a phaser and he fucking vaporizes this thing.
1: Yeah, he didn't get... He didn't... Kind of like another guy this week. He did not um, open a dialogue with him. No. He just vape, he vaped that thing.
2: No, and... I, I Was he in a room earlier when someone said that based on the damage someone would have had to use a level 10 phaser for 30 to 40 seconds? <laughs> I don't know. But he definitely cranks it way the fuck up. (sighs) Then Jordy and Aquiel get dressed up real weird and go to 10 forward again. (laughs) And he explains that her memory of the event is probably bad because the thing was literally draining her memories out of her and got interrupted or something.
1: Mm. There you go.
2: Then she probably got away. And then the Rocha monster killed her dog, I guess.
1: Did he say uh, this is all according to our doctor? She's pretty smart
2: it's irritating when she brings this stuff up, but then it invariably turns out that she's right. She's
1: usually so. right, even when it sounds fucking crazy like this stuff.
2: One time... One time she was in another universe. <laughs> and she's telling everybody, people are disappearing, and everybody's like, you're fucking crazy.
1: Now, again, you're the this story is entirely from her point of view. She just told us this story. <laughs> no one was there, but I believe it to be true.
2: Yeah, she's is even the fucking craziest person that's ever been on a starship, but, you know... <sighs> Picard gets like the littlest bit of a tingle in his pee-pee <laughs> about her. And that's enough for him. So.
1: so anyway, I'm saying this is probably what happened to you. Yeah. This is why you anyway, don't remember nothing. It's
2: probably what it is. Sorry about your dog. By the way, I think I can probably use the old boy network Picard style to get you a job on the Enterprise. Yeah, you But tries. then she says, ah, I want to earn my spot here. And also, oh, now that, that my idea. life is no longer in peril, I've been thinking about the way you Frenched me <laughs> yep. when I was at my lowest point.
1: Yeah, it's in the notes,
2: <sighs> and uh, I ain't want to be around anymore. The end.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to end it. Hmm.
2: Matthew, this one about. Uh,
1: I had uh, don't mix the personal and professional, and adding especially in a fucking basic instinct scenario. <laughs> and I said, Jordy, this should be obvious to you. Why don't you know this? I gave it a four. I don't know. Was was it about something else? Was it about anything other than Jordy getting involved with this lady? Was it about? Um, just, I don't know. What do you? What did you think?
2: Well, I asked a question, so you know this is going to lead to a high score. Sure. <clears throat> is the message of this episode? Don't rush to judgment about people. Sometimes Monsters is on the world? Yeah,
1: that's right. For ten minutes. I thought there was Monsters on the world.
2: There's almost something in this episode about Aquiel's bad family life leading to her inability to get along in Starfleet. Leading to her running away from this murder rap rather than calling it in. Yep. But they never land anywhere.
1: No, I mean, they they kind of didn't in that other episode where uh, everyone prejudged Roe, you know, yep. when she came on board and uh, Riker groppled the shit out of her. Because <laughs> he's kind of doing that to Aquiel, too. But you're right, the episode doesn't really become about that.
2: No, it doesn't. Um, and it turns out that the guy that she wasn't getting along with was a new kind of monster. <laughs> brand new in the whole universe, never thought of before until Dr. Crusher found one. And he tried to kill her.
1: Was there a specific reason she didn't call Data down to sickbay, was it so he wouldn't refute the things she was saying?
2: Yeah, she remembers the time he talked about Dr. Pell
1: under boob? Pell under boob? Under something.
2: And his theory of everything everything <laughs> fucking takes care of itself, man. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all crescent fresh. She yeah. didn't call him down <clears too. throat> to that, do that jujitsu back on her.
1: It's weirdly... The Pell Underboob's theory of, uh, let it ride. Just let it ride. (laughs) Let sleeping Uh, dogs lie, and also, uh, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Those were his three main...
2: Those are the main theorems of Dr. Pell Underboob. (laughs) Uh, is it Underhill? Probably. I don't fucking know. Uh... It's weirdly not at all about Geordi falling in love with a dead woman through her letters and then coming to terms with the idea that that wasn't a real relationship.
1: No, of course not. Because all these writers didn't know that. These writers think that maybe it was a real relationship.
2: Yeah, so um, everybody needs someone to believe in them, I guess. But this is like a two out of ten for me.
1: Okay. She did, for some reason, have an advocate. Yes. Horniness reasons, I guess.
2: <clears> Horniness <throat> <clears throat> reasons this time, it turned yeah. out.
1: All right, well, uh, what about execution then?
2: It turns out, Matthew, that there is a movie called Laura. Okay. Where a detective falls in love with a girl that he thinks is dead through some letters or something. And then it turns out that she's alive and maybe a killer? Hmm. In any way, Rick Berman saw that movie. Why did he? Okay. It turns out that these chuds were like, maybe there should be a relationship on the ship. Everybody is single, and O'Brien just left and he hated his wife anyway. Yeah. And then the main chud was like, you guys ever see this movie, Laura, and they just made this episode.
1: <laughs> I just don't understand like, it. <laughs> I presume
2: they thought they could bring Aquiel back whenever and just say, she got the job on her own merits, or she decided to take the job, or whatever. And Jordan could have a relationship, but they
1: didn't do that. But I just, okay, I just you saw a movie you liked. Yeah. Why do you have to recreate the entire movie? Yeah. What? No, I just made that again. I made that, but in Star Trek. Uh Uh-huh. Listen,
2: that's 90% of these fucking episodes, it turns out, is some movie.
1: Yeah, but just like, you know, maybe the general vibe or maybe like a crucial twist or something, but like, no, just the whole story.
2: It's (laughs) just like the the Star Trek writers' room every fucking Monday morning must have been some guy coming in and saying... Hey, you guys seen Das Boot? It was on Turner Classic Movies this weekend. Do you
1: guys have Cinemax yet? Because I've been watching a lot of Cinemax. They play all kinds of movies, guys.
2: You guys seen Bikini Car Wash 4?
1: (laughs) It's got this great plot.
2: What if we did that?
1: And that became uh, Captain's Holiday.
2: Yes. (laughs) This episode just, uh, it doesn't hang together well. Like, Jordy is supposed to be figuring out who got the encrypted files and how many of them, and he does that by watching a woman's letters to her sister, and he's obsessed with seeing her, and he's blind.
1: And he has a ready excuse. He makes sure to have an excuse, so when Riker comes in and he's like, you just just watching some videos? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm running a diagnostic, it's very important. This diagnostic is gonna fix all this, I just have to wait for it. So, you know, while I'm waiting...
2: While it's running, I am watching this furniture restoration video. (laughs) No, I'm billing you for this.
1: I'm technically working.
2: Um, Then he tells her he doesn't believe she's a killer, and then a dog becomes a monster. Yeah. It's an episode where Worf can wave a tricorder around and say that there's DNA from one and only one Klingon on the station. Yep. But Beverly can't figure out whose remains she has in sickbay without doing a science project about lasers. Yeah. And then she takes a wild speculation about a whole new kind of life form, and that's just what it ends up being.
1: I mean, it was a TOS-level leap, for sure.
2: Yes. For me, the best part of this episode is the C-plot about Morag stirring up shit and trying to steal Federation secrets.
1: Yeah, and they don't really give you much time on that.
2: Nope. They just treat it like it doesn't really matter. Uh, For me, it's a two.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's a two. That's what I said. It's like basic instinct, but not sexy. No. It's not a gripping mystery, and here's why. The answer to the whole thing is sci-fi creature with essentially magic powers. No one's ever heard of it, and Dr. Crusher really only hypothesizes its existence, but it's totally that. So nobody's actions, feelings, motivations, or lies matter. No clues matter. It's just sci-fi trash. Yeah. Um when the when jordy uh blows it and admits that he's seen her videos or whatever see he's been on her fucking tiktok or whatever it's like she's only ever sent three messages (laughs) like she knows exactly (laughs) which ones he watched and what he found interesting the wig yep you saw the wig and you found that interesting didn't you it's like man if i had sent like like fucking hundreds of videos i wouldn't know which ones he had seen or which ones piqued his interest of my weirdness. Yeah, if someone was
2: like, I listened to three of your podcasts, you wouldn't be like, I mean, you would be worried. You'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be, but I, I wouldn't know I wonder what one. this guy knows. I wonder what this person knows I wouldn't about go.
1: Me you loved that Kazaga bit, didn't you? That was good, huh? <laughs> that was fucking good as shit. They'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, you didn't see that one. Oh, you didn't listen to that one. Okay. Um. Yikes at that CGI goo. Yeah. So hacked that it's the dog, but since the dog existed, it had to be the dog. But these dummies—they didn't even look at the dog. Nope. A coalescent organism couldn't take over a dog. dog. Could never be a dog.
2: To a bunch of microbes that take over living beings, a dog would definitely be undignified to take over. Yeah, it would definitely definitely would hold out for a person.
1: Yeah, right. That's like the song. I'm holding out for a person, Uh, um, just till the end of the night. Just yeah, exactly. And then if there's no person, then a dog will do. Is the that's a little bit of a, a it's the bridge of that song. Um, <clears throat> musical score, really embarrassing this week. Uh, it was like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but not scary.
2: Yeah, it's
1: for much a less second, more creepy
2: than Unsolved Mysteries.
1: I thought maybe Aquiel had disappeared after joining a Satanist cult. How would have been cool? Because that's usually what Robert Stack said happened. <laughs> and then Man, they
2: really pushed satanist cults on unsolved <laughs> mysteries you knew what know people wanted to hear
1: bobby it wasn't a satanist cult again just like last week when it wasn't a satanist cult the husband definitely killed her he kept saying stuff like oh she kept getting in my way and i'm so glad she's dead to your cameras the Regular husband murder of did a woman
2: it by a person who nominally loved her and uh, <laughs> that should be creepier but no you're right
1: all right we'll do satanist cult again they'd lay out like 25 minutes of evidence against the husband and then they'd go or did she join a Satanist cult as her parents feared? <laughs> like, no! <laughs> it was never a Satanist cult. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, two. Not, a, not uh, a good effort from TNG this week.
2: But maybe in terms of world building.
1: Uh, they got them subspace relay monitoring stations, whatever. Uh, <sighs> certain weapons wipe you out but they leave your nasty goo puddle behind all fucking fused to the deck.
2: Like a uh, molecular phase disruptor.
1: Sure. Which apparently
2: is the long-form version of just saying a disruptor.
1: Most of the time when we see people get blasted, they just, like, uh, squelch away into nothing. They
2: they don't even seem to leave a little bit of ash behind.
1: No, just nothing.
2: I mean, Remick for sure left goop.
1: Well, yeah. I don't... (coughs) Was it the the nature of his uh, weird alien infected body that made him so explodey or what did what I setting think did they use
2: by two people at once but did yeah they... they definitely fucking put
1: it on gore yeah, they they didn't use the right setting for that
2: yeah they should have <laughs> cranked it up a couple more so we vaporized
1: um picard says it's been more than seven years since the last klingon raid on a federation outpost that's not that long ago really
2: no it's not that's an interesting piece of
1: World building. They've theoretically been at peace longer than that, and so that means that he's one of them fucking rogue captains.
2: Yeah, a real Morag type.
1: Yeah, Morag type, or you know whatever. Or
2: the big tall guy, the basketball player guy, James Worthy. Later. Yeah, James Worthy. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, or like one of those guys that was always trying to uh, gun down Kirk. You know, just yeah. regardless of whatever else was happening between the Klingons and the Federation, he's just like, oh, I got a chance at Kirk. Yeah, I'm going for that.
2: Who take my <laughs> shot? They'll forgive me.
1: That governor really not trying to have Gowron poking around in his shit, man.
2: Nope. He was up to something. Yeah. He was probably just skimming money right off the top. I assume. He,
1: <coughs> he doesn't know yet that um
2: uh, maybe he was conspiring with a Romulan, like the governor
1: of Krios. Probably fuck I think all the Klingon governors are pretty shitty, it seems like. Uh we got Hallean people. I don't know, they got like those two extra nostrils above their eyes. I don't know what their deal is. Um, Good for swimming. That shuttle that they uh, that they get back is marked RS forty-seven. I don't know—is that relay station forty-seven?
2: That's what I assumed it was.
1: And it's marked Vern. <coughs> I, either Jules Verne or Vern uh, <laughs> from from Teenage Mutant Ninja. From the Ernest? Oh, okay. No, 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 not not Vern. Ernest
2: goes to camp. <laughs> okay.
1: Not that Vern. I'm talking about Vern and Vernon. <laughs> At the news station, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Coalescent (laughs) organisms that may exist, possibly, maybe, that explain (laughs) everything that happened in this episode, but like, who knows if they're real. I mean, they had a chance to study one, but...
2: I mean, nothing turned into something.
1: They had a chance to study it, but Jordy wiped it, so who knows? (laughs) Uh, I give it a two, I don't know, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have it as a two also, and for me, the most interesting thing is definitely the Klingon border tensions that still exist from, yeah. again, from shitty little ass wipes like Morag.
1: Yep, yeah, you can be you can be at peace with the Klingons, but if you're on the border with them, it still apparently sucks ass.
2: Uh, the only other thing I pulled that you didn't have was phaser lockup regulations.
1: Ah, oh, yes. That
2: Riker... Riker throws in her face that when you lock up a phaser on the station, it has to be set at level one, and this one's set at level 10 or whatever, instead, or set at maximum. Oh, it's just set to kill, I think he said.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know, it was set at 10 or whatever, but.
2: Yeah. And he doesn't assume that on this fucking backwater relay station with busted ass Aquila and Ard that they might not be following the regulations to the letter.
1: Yeah, they might not even be looking at the phasers. They might just be like, I'll put this one away somewhere. I wonder if they have them organized so that the smaller ones are in front, so it's for easier Good loading question. and unloading. Good question.
2: Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, <coughs> a big L for Tuvok, by the way. He acts like that's nothing, but like
1: he should have been doing that. Tuvok, what are you up Come to? Come
2: on, man? man, that's basic shit.
1: How much do you have to do you on would... that fucking ship?
2: You'd think that having the big ones in front of the little ones would offend your Vulcan sensibility to begin with. Yeah,
1: man. You're never going to get to those little ones unless you move all the big ones, dummy.
2: Ugh. Maybe he had just fucking the big ones were on the left in two ranks and the little ones were on the right in two ranks and he didn't want to get into it in that fucking meeting and say it's functionally the same thing.
1: Yeah, and say, actually, I can get to all of them at any time. So it's fine. Thank you, though.
2: makes In fact, in this case, if I want a big one, I don't have to move a little one first. That's right.
1: (laughs) I win. (laughs) Then he just walks out. Hey, we just fixed that scene, man. He fucking yeah. walks out because he has won this argument.
2: Um. But yeah, two for me in world building. Characterization.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Look, man, here is Geordi LaForge as he is written. There's a girl named Aquiel and her dad used to beat her up. And because of that, she's too aggressive and assertive for the gentle people of Starfleet and her career is going badly. Yeah. She gets sent to some backwater station where a Klingon routinely comes by to harass and threaten her to the point that she's sending her sister letters about how she has nowhere to run and she's having nightmares. Uh huh. Then she gets a new boss, and it's the same story. He doesn't like her and he's going to actively hurt her career again, but before any of that happens, he attacks her because he's a monster. <laughs> she escapes somehow, but doesn't feel like she's going to get a fair shake, and the Klingons haul her in and take her back, and sure enough, everyone thinks she's a murderer, and Jordi LaForge. Knows all of this information. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What does <clears> he, he, he kiss che- on her <laughs> at her lowest point? Yeah, he does. <clears throat> he really fucking does. And I promise you, the writers did not know that was not okay. Yeah, they thought that was fucking. They were like, just fine. He's sticking up for her. That's right. <clears throat>
2: he believes in her.
1: She's lucky. He, see,
2: he sees her true self. She's lucky not. to find
1: someone like Jordy.
2: This creep is taking a very emotionally vulnerable woman and putting his hands all over her.
1: Yeah, man, they were listening to that Tom Petty song, You Got Lucky.
2: And he was saying shit like, I'm going to stand right outside the bathroom while you drop a deuce, so you'll feel safe. <laughs> <sighs> Who else is in this one? Riker sure. doesn't like anyone with even an A- minus grade in their performance <laughs> reviews, even though he of all people should know the reviews are horse shit. Yep. I guess he didn't learn anything from and Evangelico telling him he wasn't a big deal
1: yeah it's too bad maybe that's why he's in such a bad mood these days maybe that really hurt him
2: i mean must have right (laughs) like he probably tried to talk to picard about it and picard's like it's all political and he's (laughs) like all right (laughs) and picard as you said very good at sprinkling the name Gowron around to get klingons to make concessions just any klingon he runs into he's connected and he knows the power of the old boy network so
1: absolutely I love that uh, he has extended the old, his old boy network into the leadership of the Klingon fucking Empire. Absolutely. It's very yeah. smart of him.
2: Now, Kim Puck made that choice for him, but he definitely seized that opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He t- took that chance to become connected.
1: Kimpok may be the worst traitor in the history of the Klingon <laughs> Empire.
2: Oh, yeah. Big, big chance that that's the case. Yeah. Um, It's all creeps this week, and I gave it a one.
1: All right. Well, <clears throat> you're not wrong. Here's what I got. The Starfleet crew has seen it all, huh? Geordi seems completely unbothered going about his business trying to repair this murder station. Just apparently blood and guts all over the damn place. It's like Shinra HQ in there. Yep. D- doesn't phase him at all. Just ordering like his Masada fucking...
2: 3 in Starfield.
1: Yeah, like that. Uh, just ordering his medium ice regular from Duncan, like it's nothing.
2: <laughs> he sure does.
1: He's, uh, and as you say, he's the original Harry Kim. Just fucking... Maybe I said that falling for the wrong girl every time. He even gets in the way of Riker's interrogation.
2: Hey, do you think at some point he has to tell Aquiel? Oh, I replicated a bunch of shit in your bedroom, so you're probably going to be find yourself down a lot of credits this month.
1: <laughs> I thought you were dead. I, I didn't, didn't think, think about would the fact care. that a, a
2: pretty junior lieutenant like you doesn't get as many replicator credits as I do. So uh, yeah, specifically I did.
1: beverages, you probably aren't going to be able to order so many of those. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't remember how aggressively he pursues this obviously troubled woman going through a hell of a time.
2: It's extremely bad,
1: huh? Not a good look, bud. Not a good look. Picard loves name-dropping Gowron, always gets him what he wants. I wonder if he made um, any efforts to patch things up with Gowron when Cisco pissed him off and then they had that big space war.
2: Do you think Picard fucking stepped in?
1: Yeah, do you think Picard tried to to patch things up with Gowron? Cuz I mean, I he obviously know, didn't Man, succeed cuz we see when it all turns back around. Picard it's all was going DS through
2: mine. a lot in those days like um
1: the enterprise crash. Rene
2: had just burned to death. Oh right, right, that's forgot that it was fire. the sad thing. That, that's
1: the sad one in that movie. Yep.
2: Then he a fucking primitive caveman from post World War 3 had to tell him he was doing a Moby Dick. This <laughs> is rough stuff.
1: It's true. <clears throat> um, Worf loves getting in this governor's face. Worf enjoys it so much he tells him to have the courage to admit his mistakes. And oh, where are you, a low boss?
2: Mm-hmm. Which
1: is very good.
2: And then that guy's. Uh, oh, and it's always the same crack. And you think this must get to Worf after a while?
1: That the uniform. At least
2: I don't wear the uniform of the Patak or mm-hmm. I forget. Curran uh, Current says he's wearing a child's uniform. Yep and Worf should say have you seen how kids dress around here this isn't a Marissa at all
1: (laughs) that's right I have uh, my my effort doesn't go all the way over my boots that's right (laughs) or whatever
2: Uh, I mean yes the pants do have straps that go under them what (laughs) of it
1: I have Rikers on the rag this whole episode for some reason I don't know what his fucking deal is is. he's fucking grouchy in this one Uh, I have it as a two
2: Alright, well, you liked it three points better than me in the end, but it scored a point less than shipping in a Bottle.
1: <coughs> and that was not a good episode.
2: No. Do you have some uh, quickens? Oh,
1: sure. Did Riker Groppler that dog? Now, this <laughs> is obviously written in real time. If he'd Gropplered him, he would have known it was the fucking dog. But he's like... Yeah, it turns out not. He like they hear that loose panel, and he goes and he finds the dog, and he looks at Geordi. He's got this angry look on his face, and he goes, "There's your loose panel." Big yeah. fucking scowl.
2: Well, he probably fucking knows. You know how he's a fucking petty tyrant for little rules. He probably knows she's not authorized to have a fucking dog on that station. <laughs>
1: it's true. A
2: lieutenant can have a dog? I don't yeah. think so.
1: No, for sure. Data not. can
2: have a cat, but he probably had to petition Picard to have a cat and talk about how it was part of his becoming human initiative. <laughs> That's right. To to bond with an animal.
1: I was like, oh, I didn't remember. I like, I remembered that it was the dog. So I was like, oh, I didn't remember Riker knew it was the dog. So like, it. nah, man, he didn't know. <clears throat> uh, I say again, these Zoom cameras they got are smart as hell. It always just follows you around as you, like, walk around the room singing the hurrah and all that shit. Talking about Muscat C punch. Geordi mocks this dead lady's taste in literature, and I just imagine some Geordi type holding up my Babylon 5 DVDs and going, fucking nerd. Oh, yeah. Or like, is there a Zhang Ziyi movie he doesn't own? I'm dead. Well, Leave my shit alone. Is there? I mean, she probably made some later. You know, yeah, I assume so. In well, the later times. We'll
2: just get on the IMDb see what she's been up
1: to. You know, when I... Uh, I guess once you I were mo- married and on. you couldn't watch Zongzi. So once I moved on, I guess I'll just say, <laughs>
2: don't worry, buddy. Everybody gets it.
1: I'm just saying, like, leave my shit alone. I'm dead. Don't judge me like that. Um, if Rocha's, uh record was so great, why would he get marooned on relay, sto- relay station? Relay stations suck, but I guess is what I called it here.
2: Yeah, it really, it really is an interesting idea.
1: Um, again, they didn't give us the TV code, but did these two dummies bump uglies? Um. Again, I already said all this shit, man. As soon as that lady pulled out that crystal, I would have been out of there. Uh, and again, loving these Andre three thousand is hell casual outfits they're wearing at the end of the episode. Don't even you know how to describe how fucking whimsical his outfit is.
2: I it is. It has Starfleet shoulders, but the whole thing is green, and there's a lot of red trim. And it's like this is a great color. This is a great color combo for a blind guy. He looks. <laughs> you don't know what that looks like.
1: He looks sillier than when he was uh, Will Scarlet or whatever his name was. Is that his name?
2: Yes, he was Will Scarlet in that. He opening.
1: looks sillier in this scene. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, Korea, man, this woman is making a movie every single year. Some most years, oh, two movies. Yeah, yeah, I ain't seen none of those
1: because I ain't seen one in twenty years or something. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't think a lot of these released in America. I ain't never heard of the Volunteers: Colon to the War.
1: I hope that the colon is the word colon, and it's the no. Volunteers: Colon to the War. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, your quick ones. Did we already do them?
2: Okay. Uh, So I guess subspace calls aren't encrypted in any meaningful way eh? Some nosy lieutenant just listening in on everyone's shit We've somehow regressed from WhatsApp to uh, to this point There's no yep. end-to-end encryption on basic calls
1: It seems like it, man
2: Then, like you said, the music was a big fucking miss on this one At this point I've written, did we just get sinister music because the missing girl had a bad dream? <laughs> Like she says I had that dream again Yep The one where I, I couldn't run away And his music gets real sinister to credits This dude can't help but reveal That he has secret inner knowledge of these women Yeah He fucking gives it up immediately
1: Oh, and like the uh, The house up on top of the hill uh, Where you uh, Where you used to masturbate well, your dad used that, to whip you That guy That guy you always talk about What? Oh no, I haven't seen anything What are you talking about?
2: Um, I don't know if this needs saying at this point I don't know if we've said it yet or not I don't fuck with Jordy anymore
1: yeah I mean he's had a lot of bad moments especially when it comes to the ladies yeah I, professionally he's pretty on the ball but uh, <clears throat> he's got some stuff to work on
2: this thing reaching out for Crusher looks like it belongs in a Pepto-Bismol ad it should have started singing nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset, stomach, diarrhea.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, the other thing was bad, too. It was bad CGI, even by the standard of the day. If you read Memory Alpha, everyone's like, yeah, that CGI was terrible, but we didn't have time to redo it. They Apparently the staff called it a lot of disparaging names, but the politest one and the one that has been recorded for posterity is they referred to it as Mr. Peanut. <laughs> Why does Geordi keep a phaser in that end table with a plant on it over in the corner? Does he just have phasers stashed everywhere in case that bad, out-of-face Romulan comes ghosting through his bulkhead at night?
1: There's no way he fears that guy. That guy went down like such a chump.
2: He fucking... Fucking... I mean he got tackled straight to hell.
1: <laughs> that guy's still flying around at fucking warp speed out
2: there. Yeah, his dead deceased body is fucking floating around out there.
1: It's somehow it's going faster and faster. And it's picking up fucking speed as it goes. He's yeah, destroyed it's like that
2: three guy. slingshot maneuvers around local planets and stars. <laughs>
1: yeah, that shit's gone sure. back in time. It's going so fast.
2: Uh that was it for me. I gave best actor to Torok and Worst Actor to Morog.
1: Oh, uh, so. those are definitely two different guys, and I know who they are,
2: yeah, you know, I like the Governor a little better than the other guy, yep, he had
1: good bluster. Gowron would come here <laughs> he almost beat himself, <laughs> Buddy, you gotta play it a little cooler, at least like pretend like you thought about it off air or something, but he's just like oh i I will investigate
2: all right, now we're gonna do something fun here,, mm. which is. You're going to describe the Deep Space Nine episode, Change of Heart, and I'm going to pee as fast as I can while you do it. All right, good. That's what we watched this week, Change of Heart.
1: That's good. That's going to help me save my voice. Dax is playing Tonga with the Ferengi while Worf watches from above with his frenemy, O'Brien. He loses his big bet on Judzia, but they uh, they aren't the Bickersons this week. They're sweet lovers. yep, flowing Worf hair and naked Trill back and all that shit. Uh, Kira, of all people, gives Worf and Dax a mission to go get an encrypted message from a Cardian foreman in the Badlands. Credits. Dax and Worf uh, fight about not fighting enough on the runabout. Uh, when they get to the destination, they talk to this surly Cardi, and he has lots of info on the changelings, but he wants to be extracted. Um, he puts all this on Warfendax in the moment. He's got a plan and a rendezvous point and shit, and Warfendax decide to go through with it, knowing how important they have been told he is. They reach the planet they need to uh, snatch this dude up from, and it's got a Dominion base on it, and somehow they land before they're detected, I guess. Or maybe they're not. I don't know. Um, And they they head off into the jungle. They have to go like 20 kilometers to get to the rendezvous point. So you get like some hiking montages. And then they make camp and they chat for a bit. (coughs) But they're interrupted by a Jem'Hadar patrol. And they kill the three-man patrol. But Dax takes a fucking hit in the gut. Not the part with the worm in it, I guess. But like the part with the blood in it. Because she can't stop bleeding, and you know, the Dominion weapons, they got the anticoagulants. But they gotta hike through the night now to avoid being spotted again, and they haven't, they gotta keep stopping, and like checking her bandage and shit, and, uh, Worf Worf takes full responsibility and says if he hadn't been the new Worf, they wouldn't (laughs) have been caught off guard. So he's like, deep in his feelings. Uh, and Dax is doing bad, though. She can't she can't make the final three kilometers So Worf has to like Decide whether to continue Without her and retrieve What's his name Or scrap the mission and save his wife But they got like a tearful farewell Cause he's got you know For the space war he's gotta go get this Cardi extracted But then like He goes into the jungle and he, like, he can hear The literal beating of his own heart And he quits the fucking mission and he saves Dax and back on DS9 Cisco gives it to Worf for hella blowing it and he says the Cardi died so there goes all that good information that could have saved millions of lives or whatever and he says Worf can kiss a captaincy goodbye and uh, also you and your wife can't do missions together again and um (coughs) Worf has a nice talk with Dax where he isn't a piece of crap for the first time since he joined the show so that was nice (laughs) <laughs> B Plot. Bashir comes to get O'Brien for a fun hang in 1960s spy times, but he finds O'Brien playing Tongo alone. O'Brien says he wants to beat Quark, you know, for the challenge, because Quark's on this crazy winning streak. Uh Bashir agrees to help him. B Plot stakes are high as always. Oh yeah. Uh after Bashir whips O'Brien's ass a whole bunch, O'Brien convinces him to take on Quark instead. And they arrive with six strips of latinum for a five-strip buy-in. But Bashir uses his uh, special skills to get get pretty far in the game, and it's just him and Quark at the end. But Quark gets all up in his head about Dax. Fucking mind games, you know, about me and Mrs. Met and all this shit. <laughs> Nasty stuff. So Quark wins, and Bashir is left a Shattered Husk. And that's the B-plot, man.
2: Yeah, and because you did it a plot b plot, which I understand. One thing that you're leaving out is that that's about halfway through the episode. The b plot nice. drops out with a lot of a plot left because it
1: could have dropped out um, uh, before it began, and that would have been fine too. But <laughs> it would have worked okay. Yeah, you're right. It does not take up any of the back half of this episode. So that's it, man. Uh, you you heard the whole thing. You were there listening to it. What did you all think?
2: Of it. I Heard every bit of it.
1: This fucking great episode was about.
2: Um. Well, I'm going to give my preliminary and then we're going to see if you have something better. Okay. I suppose the message here is that being in a relationship changes you and it changes your priorities or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of new Wharf, old Wharf talk in this one. Yeah. And certainly our understanding as an audience is that old Wharf would have let Jadzia stay behind and maybe die.
1: I mean, that's what he seems to say. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he was always pretty romantic. He saw how he was with Kalar.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, know. he wanted to take the fucking oath.
1: Yeah. He took you think he, to, he would have just left Kalar behind?
2: He took her to, I assume, a holodeck recreation of the planet where he had to fight the Napoleon Pigmen. <laughs> it had that energy in the holodeck. Um, maybe he wouldn't have just left left her behind. He did certainly essentially throw his career away to go kill Duras, so... Yeah. Turned out not to matter, because, you know, hard. but... Yep, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they make it big, sci-fi style, like, Worf puts his wife ahead of maybe millions of lives, and that's not something that's gonna come up for any of us.
1: It's true, that is a tough one.
2: Like, the idea that you become a different person when you're in a relationship and that that's okay, and that that's, that doesn't mean you're sacrificing anything, is something. But it ain't ever gonna be, we have the opportunity to potentially save millions of lives, or you could let your wife die.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this one you that's literally not gonna are sacrificing something life. if you yeah. become the new wharf theoretically.
2: Um, so I thought this was fine, but not a big deal. I gave it a three.
1: Okay. Uh, I thought it was gonna be more about, I don't know, no win scenarios again or something. But I think it's really more basic. Uh. Like Martha saying, love makes you do foolish things.
3: Mm.
1: He makes this uh everyone just tells him to his face it's a bad call. And uh especially Cisco is just like, nah man. Um you should've let my best friend Dax eat it out there for the space war. Um But you know, he's in love. What's he gonna do? We can't just can't can't just leave her. Uh I don't know, it's fine. There's not, you know. It's a four. Okay. So this is not
2: where we are apart on this episode.
1: That is not the pointsy section for me, no.
2: <clears throat> no. So well then let's talk about uh execution.
1: Yeah. Uh this would I uh, this would have been better without a B plot at all, but at least that took up a little time and they cut out pretty early in the episode. And even that plot did some stuff with Bashir that we hadn't really seen before, like his his sad pining was a yeah. new take on his Dax fixation that worked much better than the old flirty gross stuff he used to do.
2: It did, except it does, to me, it felt
1: like he should
2: be beyond this.
1: Sure, but the fact that he's not at least is something that his character can do. Yes. Now, I don't want to fill the show with pining characters with unrequited love, we already got Odo the sad sack to deal with, but... <laughs> Again, it's uh at least it was something happening in what is otherwise a completely forgettable B plot. <clears throat> um, we get all the stuff about new Wharf, and I guess maybe we're supposed to believe that was important for the episode. Like I'm not certain we're not supposed to at least agree a little with Wharf's own take about his new attitude causing their ambush, but I don't think they did a good job enough a good enough job showing that link. No. Which means it was a kind of an unnecessary conversation to have. Like I don't know, they didn't, so.
2: they didn't like pepper it in where they hear a fucking crack in the bush, but then Dax cracks a joke and Worf laughs and forgets about the sound that he heard. Yeah, and then they just go
1: like to that. sleep, and then the Jemadar fucking bust out on him or something. Like that all happened in like fifteen seconds. Then he's listening they don't have the entire like, time.
2: Worf almost finds a snare in the bush, but. Doesn't just steps right over it because he's talking to them De- Like it doesn't come yeah. up. It's not. It's not laid in there in any way.
1: Yeah. And now, okay. Maybe it's realistic that he um, feels like it's his fault, even if it really isn't. Maybe that's the that part of it that's realistic. But the part where he caused their ambush, I didn't. I didn't really understand. Um. Uh. Let's see. Um. Th- that we hear the beating of his heart is hack.
2: Oh yeah. But thankfully they didn't have him hear in his mind his wedding vows.
1: <laughs> a little flashback would have been great if there was a little bubble and you could see the scene in his little thought bubble. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's a decent amount of plot convenience in this episode as well. Um, But overall, I thought it was fairly effective. I mean, more effective would have been Dax bites it here instead of her silly death in ten episodes or whatever. But still.
2: Yeah. Um, that's what Terry Farrell wanted to happen.
1: Yeah, they didn't give her anything, They, went huh? with. No, they, they didn't like, give her even one At that point, one Rick thing.
2: wasn't giving her shit.
1: He's like, oh, really? Yeah, that would be a good idea. The
2: thing that I don't know, because I, I didn't read this anywhere, was whether the news had gotten out yet that she wasn't coming back for season seven, which mm. would have made her death here very credible. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I didn't, I couldn't find anywhere that suggested that fans knew that she was not coming back.
1: I don't know. I don't know if I knew before she beefed it. I'm not that like, I how was like. How would you know? It would have been a fucking
2: TV guide? Obviously. Terry Farrell's yeah. not coming back to Deep Space Nine? So that's what, what I'm saying. Weak.
1: Like in, in that era, obviously we were not really online. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there were people who were, um trying to keep tabs on that kind of stuff. But I, yeah, I, I certainly was surprised when she beefed it. So anyway, I uh, would have been better here. Um, I thought it was interesting that Cisco basically lets you know how he and Starfleet feel about Worf's decision instead of, uh, I don't know, I feel like on Voyager someone would have shrugged their shoulders. You know, yeah. Who can say?
2: Oh, yeah. I I mean, we'll talk about this, but I particularly enjoyed that Cisco at least gave an credible explanation for why there weren't going to be worse consequences for Worf here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, about uh, Starfleet doesn't want to reveal their intelligence mechanisms and stuff.
2: <clears throat> Presumably, he had the same conversation with O'Brien last week about why he wasn't in trouble for <laughs> punching a guy in the face, punching his <laughs> intelligence contact in the face, and why he was letting him keep the cat.
1: Fucking O'Brien.
2: Who does not appear in this episode. <clears throat> um, It's not like fucking up his Tongo game or
1: anything when he's playing in his quarter. Yeah, we didn't see it for sure. I don't think we're ever gonna see that cat again. Um, so anyway, I like that there wasn't any conflict about what should have happened. Everyone basically agrees. Like, yeah, I'm glad you love your wife and everything. That's cool, but like, um, you know, you kind of fucked us in the space war. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I gave it points for not being wishy washy. Anyway, overall, I thought it was effective. I gave it a seven.
2: Do you know I have it as exactly a seven? Also. Um, This episode was not a 100% success. Yeah. To start with the B-plot, it starts with the idea that O'Brien is stubborn and he has to push through and beat Quark just because. Mm
0: -hmm. Then it
2: briefly becomes a caper. Yeah. And then it ends like halfway through the episode with Quark dealing 10 points of psychological damage to Bashir. (laughs) So it gets dark suddenly, just before the A-plot also gets dark, and that's odd given the way yeah. Deep Space Nine loves to do a light B-plot.
1: Yeah, normally it's uh, Jake and Nog are up to some fucking shenanigans or something.
2: And this one is low stakes for sure, but but she's going to have to go home and think about what happened here today. No,
1: clearly he's like... It, uh, something has been fucking revived in him that is causing him great pain. <laughs> yeah. Why is Quark so good at this? He's usually such a moron.
2: I assume that what was happening here is Quark is telling the truth and he has also been carrying a little bit of a torch for Dax.
1: Oh, that's fine, but he's clearly, he knows what he's doing.
2: I assume this is how he's getting, since it, the specter of cheating is somehow never raised in this episode, I assume this explains a lot of his big win streak.
1: Yeah. He's
0: just like he's
2: just gotten nasty.
0: Yes. He'll do anything to win.
2: Just he's like one of those hockey people. players that everyone in the league hates now.
1: Yeah, man. it's just like, stri- yeah.
2: Don't play Tongo with Quark, man.
1: Yeah, he'll fucking kick you in the throat.
2: I sat down to a, a friendly game. We weren't even playing for strips, man. We were playing for two. It was a two-slip buy <laughs> And he fucking started with, so have you always been fat? Or, uh, <laughs> or what?
1: He, he played it off like he was really sympathetic. Talked about uh, you know all the weight loss programs and how, tar- how hard they are and everything. But like, he was just fucking with me. At the end, I was pretty sure he was just fucking with me.
2: He was like, you have a real tell in this game. It's that you're fat. <laughs> fat people always index the margin at 10%. <laughs>
3: um,
2: now, the A plot is pretty solid, despite the fact that I usually hate these two together more Ugh. than any other pairing of
1: characters in the show. It has been torture to this point. It has been yeah. very, very, very hard to watch.
2: Maybe it's because Terry Farrell already knew she was leaving the show, but her apparel felt a lot more real, and that was a very winning combination with less serious Worf. Yeah. It made it a lot more watchable than usual.
1: Uh, I mean, it's nice just to not see Worf being a piece of shit to everyone in every scene. Yes. That's great. He's been uh, so unlikable for, I guess, the vast majority of his time in Star Trek. Yes. But... Uh, in general, I thought this was fairly
2: well done. I'm not even assessing it a two point sex deduction.
1: Oh, you mean for that stuff early in the
2: yeah, for the early
1: stuff, in, for the flowing warfare and naked trailback and stuff. That correct? Yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> I'm not saying I loved that. No. Um, you know, honestly, I think that gets a pass because
1: I was no, married, and
2: it's almost the very well they're married for one thing. So <laughs> you've read the Bible. Bible, yeah, but. <laughs> No, uh, I was so irritated by this very early scene where we see Worf's little prayer hutch,
1: mm. where the yeah, doors you were open distracted. and there's a
2: fucking k G.I. Joe in there. And he there. stops
1: talking. She's like talking to him and he's not uh-huh. responding because he's doing his secret special prayers.
2: And he does his prayers before bed and they didn't sex till they're wed. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but But looking at that thing, I was like, that's the worst prop I've ever seen and I can't believe anyone could pray to it. <laughs> So I think that really took the sting out of then she throws him her nightie or whatever and yeah, then it's yeah, like, yeah. alright, that's fine.
1: whatever. And actually, this time it didn't bug me because I was furiously typing notes about his stupid prayers fucking bullshit. <laughs> so the same situation that I didn't really see it, I heard it off screen and I, like, I heard her. And I was like, oh, I think she threw a nightie at him but I didn't see it. It's fine. <clears throat> and then he, I guess, fucked her and then put his
2: whole pajamas outfit back on. Or yeah, he gets cold. he just flopped it out through a fly.
1: Maybe we find out later. Klingons get cold, man.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: She said it later. Out. That's fucking continuity.
2: Oh shit. Hang on. That's a world building point.
1: <laughs> Trails don't like, don't it like it the hot. heat. Klingons
2: don't like it Klingons cold. don't
1: like the cold. We, Everyone knows, she says. <clears throat>
2: um, Yeah, in general, I thought this was fairly well done, and I was not mad at all about it. Yep. Uh, obviously, like you said, the B plot is not strictly necessary.
1: No, we didn't need it. That one, My cat that one. was trying to break in here. Oh, uh there's your loose door there's your loose panel.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm gonna now, stare at
1: that fucking cat I'm gonna give her the meanest fucking face.
2: <laughs> now I had world building as a one, but I'm now giving it a two. Okay. <clears throat> um The bleed out weapons, that's a callback. There's yep. continuity there. Uh Starfleet Intelligence has at least one Cardassian mole. Worf and Dax may be the first people and then I guess Cisco at the end who consider the information of what changelings have infiltrated who to be important because it seems like it hasn't been interesting to anyone since yeah. the episodes with the Bad Admiral.
1: Yep, just those just contained within those two episodes.
2: Yeah, and again, we're talking about the time. Uh, I guess Odo didn't tell him about the thing he went through yep. and then yeah.
1: he never did. Yeah. It, be- it became very clear in the following episodes after that week, that he literally did not tell anyone in universe. He didn't tell anyone about that. Nope. So,
2: <laughs> no, that's just a nice secret waiting for everyone to find. They may still not have figured it out. honestly.
1: Well, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure now they know that they can uh, hella impersonate people, obviously, because of the Admiral episodes, but they don't know that happened to Odo.
2: Yeah, that did only, know. didn't that dude only approach Odo, though? Uh,
1: um,. Yeah, I think he to- I think he told Cisco about that. Though. Maybe he told Cisco about I that. I think he one. told Cisco about that one. And, and then he's probably said, and that's the first time it ever happened to me, I promise.
2: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> are you I, looking at we me take like everyone's that. blood?
1: <laughs> maybe we shoot
2: everyone with low-grade phasers. Yeah. Um, but whether or not that's important, I guess the world-building here is that all of that intelligence is lost, but they ne- we never heard about this mold before. Yeah. They didn't have this intelligence before. Everyone says to Worf, you may have condemned a million people to die, but that can't be based on anything.
1: No, it seems That's a
2: raw-ass guess at best.
1: That's the Dr. Crusher-level fucking speculation.
2: Yeah. Also, we see Worf's
1: bedtime prayer. So,
2: (laughs) that's world-building, I guess. Plus the Trills trills and Klingons thing. So, I'm gonna bump it up to a two.
1: Okay. Uh, I have here the Shenandoah. That's the runabout they use. Cardi informants. So many earth snakes on this planet full of earth trees, and then there's an earth iguana.
2: Yeah, when there's just a fucking boa constrictor and a well, just a regular iguana, he's like, "What? Then, this is an alien planet.
1: What happened? Did someone ship like, these animals here?"
2: I guess it's hack when Tos puts a bunch of <laughs> paint, glues a bunch of white fur to a pig, and then there, that's I, a click on TARD. Nope, I prefer that. Uh, Sorry, was a puppy in the, It was a puppy in Tos. It was a pig in TNG.
1: I, I prefer that a hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> they didn't do a good job on props, but at least they said out loud someone said out loud, Well, it wouldn't just be like a dog or something. Dummy. <laughs> that is true. It wouldn't be a dog, you idiot.
2: Someone was like, Well you want me to do just get a just get a beagle? Just put a beagle <laughs> in there and say that's a Klingon Targ? Come on.
1: People are smart. So, yeah, that's why I prefer the incredibly bad animals from TOS, because these that was just an iguana, man. That I've was seen just a that iguana. Uh, trills don't like the heat. Klingons you know, don't like
2: they're an invasive species. Uh, my mother-in-law has iguana problems all the time now.
1: Well, That's what I said. They Did someone accidentally ship those animals it. to the planet, yeah, yeah. uh whatever it was called?
2: Oh, this is an Alpha quadra planet, man. There's been hundreds of years for iguanas to have migrated
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, trills in the heat. Klingons in the cold. Uh, the anticoagulants and jam weapons how Starfleet will likely handle Worf's discipline according to Cisco, to avoid possibly exposing any of their intelligence apparatus and obviously uh, possible ramifications in the big space war I gave it a 3
2: <clears throat> I thought of another one too that got some kind of medical stasis on the uh, runabout
1: yeah he says if he can get her back there they fucking A-OK or whatever yep um, yeah so a 3 for me <clears throat>
2: We've seen how people get badly injured and die on runabouts. They've never uh, slapped one. Stasis. Yeah, no one's ever thrown
1: anyone into stasis there, have they? Yeah, it's never Should happened. think about it.
2: Characterization, then.
1: Worf is full of confidence in Judzia, even in Tongo. He prays to Kaelas, and he says, Oh, Kalis, whether grown in tube or forged by gods, please get me that new RC car I've always wanted. <laughs> it's a new Wharf man. Just like when we got the new Harry Kim, but like, now, this wharf's all nice and pleasant, but never again, I guess, because he thinks that's why they were ambushed.
2: What if he was praying, like, dear Kaelas, please let me bang my wife tonight, for it is my birthday.
1: <laughs> Could be. He's, he started his prayer, he said, dear Kaelas, actually, you know what, I can just call you, I'm just gonna call you. And he fucking calls Kaelas, and he goes, hey Kaelas, I was gonna pray to you, but... You ain't doing nothing. Uh,
2: Kalus isn't talking to him anymore since Worf beamed his sword into space. <laughs> I mean, he can, you can you can—he'll answer the phone, but the only question he'll ask is, "Did you get my sword?" Back? <laughs> Did you get
1: my sword back? Yeah.
3: Um, oh, I,
2: oh, I see. Because you couldn't handle holding that sword, no one was allowed to, huh?
1: Yeah, that's my. I didn't sword. think that
2: anyone might have more uh, restraint than you.
1: You didn't, you didn't think to call me and come and get me, and maybe I would have been able to help retrieve my sword. You just went with that old fuck. He's what was Cor his name? Core. Who's better, me or Core? I'm K-less. K-less. Yes, Wolf I did like, lose that knife fight of. to Gowron. It was un- <laughs> that was unfortunate. Gauron's wily. They weren't as wily in my day. Everyone fought um, like men.
2: I'm semi looking forward to that one.
1: <laughs> there's some really good shit in there.
2: I mean, I'm TNG Gauron's really fun. I promise you, I'm not a hundred percent looking forward to it because it is part of Worf's religion arc.
1: Yeah, a big part of it. Yeah. The yeah. part where he becomes, I don't know, like uh, like his own version of Kim Peck, where he's like, "Yeah, but this lie is so good though. It's an important one. Um, <clears throat> he saves his wife instead of this Cardi, and then everyone is mad at him about it, but he's just glad Dax lived, so it's like Worf's a nice guy now. Maybe that'll stick around. Quark is a Tongo Master, and probably a cheater but like you said no one talks about it
2: it doesn't even come up no one's like yeah. well he didn't win 206 games naturally
1: yeah, yeah that's uh we know him we know him he definitely is cheating huh, did um, he win them
2: all on his own tongo wheel by chance <laughs> just a question i have
1: <laughs> that's right but he'll use any advantage to win including putting bashir absolutely deep into his feelings
2: ah it just sends him down into the fucking cellar huh
1: yeah, I think that's the end of Bashir for a while. I think mean, we're probably going to see him for weeks. I don't think he's going to be around next week. <coughs> <coughs> I mean, vacation. he may not.
2: Next week is a definitely a Gul Dukat Kira episode. So, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. By the way, I saw that and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I yeah, already I know all the good Dukat's done. So great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: like we'll talk about it, but it feels too heavy for this show to get right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dex wants to vacation somewhere. Yeah, you know, some kind of paradise planet for the honeymoon. Casperia Prime Um She feels bad that Worf will be in trouble for saving her life and probably expected to die out there. Yep. Uh O'Brien wants to see Quark humbled for reasons. Uh is convinced to help also for reasons. And Bashir's still all hung up on decks. I gave it uh, a seven.
2: Yeah, here's a couple more of the points where we're different. Um, I didn't hate it, but I gave it a five. Okay. The idea that O'Brien just keeps plugging away at stuff he sucks at because he knows in his own heart that he needs to suffer doesn't look <coughs> like him. Yeah. But the idea that Bashir is still hung up on Jadzia to the point that he can be obviously played by Quark is less credible to me. I would much rather have seen him turn it back on Quark like Riker did with Devanani Raw.
1: Oh, uh, well, that would have been nice, and then he wins the game, and then it's the end of Quark's streak or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, Worf has been such a shit heel on Deep Space Nine that you like the idea that he's at least trying to be chill with his wife. Would have been cool if he'd said, I think we should also spend more time with Alexander. But <laughs> you take what you can fucking get.
1: Yeah, man, he ain't never going to say that again. <laughs> Guys, out uh, of the show that- again. Just showed up. <laughs> he's already out. That's it.
2: Not a lot of other character work here. Dax doesn't like change. Cisco's disappointed with Worf, even though he would have made the same choice. So maybe he's disappointed with himself. I don't know. Doesn't mm. fucking matter. His wife ain't around anymore. Yeah, she's died a couple of times now.
1: Yeah, he's seeing her die all the with different ways.
2: Ah, uh, so five out of ten for me for characterization.
1: Okay. Quick ones.
2: <clears throat> when I'm creepily watching other people play poker.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I do like to make bets with other bystanders in louder and louder voices. For some reason, <laughs> there's no reason that O'Brien and Wharf up there need to do that scene in a crescendo, but they do. <laughs> um, and then when Dax threw a ninety at him, I said, "I mean, that's one way to get a man to stop playing with his action figures, I guess."
1: He's but why does he? I, I know they talk about it in the episode we were just talking about, but why does he give one shit about k anymore? It's a real good question. Why does he fucking care?
2: Um, yeah, what the hell did they do to my boy? His pajamas suck, and this cuckoo clock trying to call us is very sad.
1: I <laughs> like how you used the Alexander pronunciation. On, I did, I chose call, us. call us that
2: time. <laughs> I don't understand from... Watching six, basically six full seasons of Deep Space Nine. How Starfleet views these runabouts. Hmm. They don't seem capable of wartime operations to me,
1: but, man, just off to the badlands in the Shenandoah. Yeah, and then off to the infiltrate the fucking Dominion base planet. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I couldn't really figure it out. Did they get scanned and that's why the Gemini were out looking for them, Or were those routine patrols? Did they manage to like land on the planet without being scanned? I couldn't really tell what was happening.
2: This guy set up a bad plan where he wanted to rendezvous in the jungle, but not very far from the base and definitely inside the shield grid. Yeah. So it seems entirely possible to me that that was just a random patrol.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Is it honorable to use your mechleth
1: as a brush axe? <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it was it's pretty cool right Worf seems also, to value what's cool
2: do you think he left one of those mechleths stuck in that tree <coughs> when he threw it at the end and turned back
1: no that was just for Jem'Hadar effect
2: patrol three days later gonna find a klingon mechleth stuck in that uh branch of that tree and go. oh man
1: huh. okay if Jem'Hadar are capable of being chilled to their very core that would do it you just find hey, a mechleth in a tree, you go, uh, uh-oh. You know, you know how we tripled our patrols
2: after that one patrol never reported back? We found a mechleth I think there's three a quarters of the way up a tree, only about four kilometers from the base.
1: I think we might have like a weird Klingon fucking Rambo uh, floating yeah. around out here.
2: Hey, I'm, hey guys, Um, the first has been watching a lot of Earth movies, <laughs> you know, to get to know us, because sometimes the first is very strategic in the early episodes. That's right. Uh and he <clears throat> thinks we might have a predator situation. <laughs> <But> like on? Yeah. <sighs> um I give best actor to Dax when that lizard was passing through. It's a very okay. space ghost, like, oh hey there. <laughs> and uh for worst actor, I just want to point out that Lasaren <clears throat> the Cardassian, was shot like a syphilin ollie-caller for some reason. It was very like, strange. <laughs> slightly from above and craning forward when he spoke. Uh, <laughs> so I just wrote big jargon Scott energy from that guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. He was probably a puppet. I wasn't paying much attention, but it's possible.
2: I just As soon as he came on the screen I was like, hey, "Just now it's time for a word with Chester.
1: Oh yeah, Chester. Also you know, I least about favorite him. emotion. Pegasus.
2: Uh, what about you? Uh,
1: what good are bets and, like, stakes in a world where you can beam anything you want into your lap at any time? Yeah. Fucking, what do you want, like a ball and paddle? Or, like, novelty underpants? Or fucking parochian sausages? Whatever you want, man. You can have it. Just ask for it. What good does it do to bet wine?
2: Even if it's, like, too good for your home replicator you
1: could go down to the gift room and pick out a crystal swan that's or yeah right. they got everything down there so what good is it you what could go down to just...
2: they call that room best for some reason <laughs> it's just a it's just not like a real department store it's a catalog but they have a you have to go pick it up from a physical location
1: it's fucking aggravating actually I don't know I just didn't that's uh, yeah, a good point? question I don't know what's it for uh, that was all I had
2: all right, so that scored thirty-eight points. Yeah, you that's it pretty good for I these it days.
1: Seventeen—that ain't bad for these days. That's good.
2: Yes, in these degenerate times, a 30 thirty-eight is,
1: is the bad. new forty-eight. Now,
2: I would say so. I mean, of Command Part Two did hit forty, and it Which had is, been
1: a while. So, as we know, is the new sixty. So it's the champion.
2: <laughs> yeah, but thirty-eight wins most weeks. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well then, Good Shepherd
1: is going to have a this- tall fucking order.
2: There's still one more to talk about, and they won last week. So, can Voyager keep their streak alive with, as you say, Good Shepherd?
1: Okay, I'll describe the episode. You go pee again.
2: No, I'm good. Uh, Good now.
1: Janeway is having a totally normal day. Chaco delivers Seven of Nine's crew efficiency report. And they make a plan to study some goddamn stellar phenomena. And uh, Seven hands off some orders to a Bajoran crew member we don't know to go deliver to engineering. And we follow her all the way there. And then she, you know, Valana hands the order to some engineer. And he goes to fucking, he's gonna juice up the fucking sensors or whatever. It don't matter. He goes and delivers that order to some dude who fancies himself a GD genius just out here.
2: uh, Let's just put this right in here. You know that the guy who delivered the orders to him was Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, right?
1: Uh, he looks familiar. Okay. For sure. Not like Rage Against the Machine familiar, but he definitely looks familiar, so I must have got that wrong. Um. Anyway, this guy's just out here working on theorems or whatever. It's Lower Decks, the episode from TNG, but worse this week on Voyager Credits.
2: Someone pointed out, <clears throat> I think it was in Greatest Generation. Someone pointed out that this opening shot is very much like eh, something from Encounter at Farpoint, a sort of mm. tour of the ship, a wa- sort of walking tour of the ship, and it really played pretty glorious music, pretty the wonder of space music too, which I found
1: <laughs> odd. <laughs> yeah, for this fucking uh ordinary fucking task, we get to watch. <clears throat> Uh, the Bajoran girl needs help from another another different dude, Billy. Uh, on some homework that seven gave her, so they I guess they agree to meet in the middle of the night to discuss her astrometrics homework or something. We're meeting so many um, fucking randos. Um, Seven delivers her efficiency report to the senior staff. She's on Balana about misusing that genius from before. Who just likes to sit in the room and do. And theorize, but Balana says that nothing. And then uh Billy shows up on the list too. Uh for being a fucking hypochondriac or something. I guess that's the doctor's fault.
2: <laughs> that's what she thinks. That seems like, like, this scary. guy hasn't cured his hypochondria, so <laughs>
1: that's right. and the Bajoran girl sucks at her job and seven wants her out of astrometrics, astrometrics, so Janeway finds that this group of average crew members have never done a dang away mission, and she's going to p- p- send them all out at once. Yes. That's, and, see, by the
2: way, only them.
1: It seems like a bad time. I don't know why you would do it that way, but okay. Uh, but at least she's going to take them out herself, because she has to make everything right, you know? Uh-huh. Um. First, she meets with Billy and the Bajora. Uh, I think she, later on, uh, I've started to remember her name was Celeste or something.
2: Yeah, tell Celeste. Um, I'm pretty sure she wrote, <laughs> she's so high. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I know about that.
2: High above me, she's so lovely.
1: Then she meets with that great theorist who's not deferential to her authority at all and talks to her like somebody who thinks who thinks she's in charge of him. Yes. <laughs> what has this guy been up to all these years? Does he not know that she'll straight ice people?
2: Yeah, he ain't been. he ain't been too involved. In most of the escapades here on Voyager. So uh, he don't know her rep, really.
1: Yeah, I guess not. Um, Janeway reveals her brilliant plan to Seven. She says uh, she's the the Good Shepherd, episode title, and um, she won't ever abandon a member of this crew, no matter their problems, unless they're freaks that were never meant to exist.
2: (laughs) Yeah, listen, if it comes down to abandoning a member of her crew or putting something right that once went wrong. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's right. It is
1: it is very cool
2: how she says to Seven of Nine, have you heard of Jesus Christ?
3: <laughs>
2: well, I'm a little bit like him.
1: After Billy tries to get a medical exemption and fails to get out of this away mission, they're out there on the flyer. and um, Celeste notices that Janeway is uh, double-checking all of her shit, which is something Seven told her she'd have to do earlier. Uh, and then Janeway has a really depressing conversation with Mr. Heron that's the guy who just wants to sit in the room and talk about science they hit a big invisible something and they lose part of the hull and a lot of their antimatter engines are damaged and they send a distress signal And Celeste suggests they go back and check out that hull plate they lost to see if Mr. Heron is right that it's an as-yet-unproven Dark Matter proto-comet, or whatever he says. Yep. Uh, A coalescent organism, maybe.
2: He does think it might be.
1: She gives Janeway the the lamest tale of how pathetic she is, and how no one should even look at her or talk to her lest her shittiness rub off on them. She's even like, I'm only in Starfleet because they wanted more Bajorans.
2: Yeah, she calls herself a diversity hire.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gross. Then the hypochondriac and the theoretician get into it a little bit. Janeway suggests they go get um, some tasty particles from the Stellar Nursery, or whatever, to help them get (laughs) Warp going again.
2: Yeah, yeah. They gotta kickstart their warp drive with the fucking radiogenic particles.
1: Yeah, but then they detect another one of these fucking anomalies coming at them, and Janeway tries to hail it in case yeah. it's a person.
2: I mean, but it doesn't then, cost her much.
1: You know, she fires torpedoes to distract it with that tasty antimatter from the torpedoes. But then Billy Which I gets. Would have
2: already, they should already have been transferring into the fucking <laughs> engines, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: you got you got antimatter in those torpedoes. You should use it
2: a Celeste goes siphon out all the antimatter <laughs> from the torpedoes. Use your mouth. Use the magnetic siphon. It's antimatter. <laughs>
1: uh, Then Billy gets fucking beamed away and beamed back, and now he's got like a dang worm in his neck or something. And they, can't, something s- gross. they can't scan it or beam it. Back in the cockpit, they get their own distress signal sent back to them and then fucking Billy walks through the force field with his worm power. And then the the CG worm, it just jumps out of his body and lands on a panel and it's like shooting sparks everywhere. And Jamie wants to give it a chance to talk to them, but Heron vaporizes it. That probably makes them enemies with these guys yet again, so. Yeah. <clears throat> they zip into some planetary rings to scoop up the juice they need to do warps. Billy says, he's not all panicky and weird anymore. And instead of being suspicious of his totally altered personality, she just goes, yeah, I remember the first time I was controlled by an alien presence. That's the good stuff.
2: It makes sense to me, the dark matter worm ate your hypochondria.
1: (laughs) She's satisfied with that explanation. Janeway tries to, uh, I I think, send them off in escape pods or something. Delta Flyer's got everything, huh?
2: Yes. Did you but, know there were escape pods? I didn't. I didn't
1: think you would need escape pods on shuttles. It's just one bigger escape pod, but whatever. Um, but they refuse to leave her alone on the flyer. Except Heron. He goes into one of the pods, and then he tries to lure the aliens in so the the Delta flyer can escape. Maybe because he feels yeah, bad about... Yeah, it
2: turns sh- out he's learned a lesson. Yeah, exactly.
1: Shooting that worm, maybe? <clears throat> they manage to beam him back, and then they detonate the fucking rings, and everything gets all explody. And Janeway blacks out and awakens in Voyager's sickbay. And Chaco's there for his Little League. And he says, hey, I don't know, we didn't see nothing. You sure you didn't make it up? We didn't see anything out there. And Janeway is so fucking satisfied with this dumbass mission. And declares, yep. she found her sheep, man. Big smile. She tells Chakotay that she is Jesus the Christ. Did she forget she didn't tell Chakotay that part? That story was for Seven?
2: she didn't remember that no. He doesn't
1: he should go. Huh? Huh? What are you talking about?
2: Hey, uh doctor, she's talking about sheep a lot so I I think you'll have command. to drug her up pretty good and
1: yeah. uh, maybe for the next several weeks probably.
2: Just FYI, I'm running the ship for a while. You let me know if that changes.
1: Uh too late Neelix just uh he did a live broadcast where he said that he was in command here and uh <laughs> never, no one should worry. <laughs> um That is a timely reference. (laughs) Yes, a a scant 40 years ago.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gross. It definitely was.
1: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, man. What?
3: (laughs) Are you interpreting all the symbols?
1: I didn't even try.
3: Subconscious
2: for their meaning.
1: No, I don't do that anymore.
2: Hey, is the message of this one? If you're not pushing people, you're failing them. Because if so, no thanks. Yeah. It is the kind of baby boomer advice someone who unironically keeps casting herself as Jesus in an analogy might make. <laughs> but fucking hard... Pat. Listen, it's just so fucking hack. I yeah. know this is as much execution as anything. that She takes these three out on their one little wacky little mission and she solves all their problems.
1: Even though this mission and- could not have gone worse.
2: No went very bad
1: all every part of it's bad,
2: but maybe they just needed to know that you know what that's okay too.
1: It's okay to well <laughs> you know what on Voyager, they fail every week It's a and two they all seem pretty me. okay with it
2: it's it's an absolute two for me, man, like yep. i yeah yeah, yeah let's get back. I have a lot to say in execution, so let's let's okay. let go to you what well, was I agreed it's
1: one? a two um. I said everybody has something to contribute. Can't be it because these fuckers suck as bad as advertised, and they fuck yeah. up the whole mission repeatedly. Oh,
2: one guy is a full asshole. The other guy is <clears throat> genuinely crippled with his <coughs> hypochondria.
1: Yeah, worthless. He's a worthless person. Um, but and like,
2: the maybe the third they'll one do... is bad at her job, but also has a terrible self-esteem problem about it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe they'll do better now that they have some experience under their belts. But like, that's a theory that this episode does not even explore. It's a tough one this week. I went with, "You can't get better at life unless you go out there and live it."
2: Yeah, I mean it definitely applies to Heron.
1: Yeah, I mean that other guy's afraid to go anywhere too. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, yeah, just a two for me. Because what? I don't. I don't. I don't know what. They, because there's three different people you gotta make it so general that it's just worthless I don't know And there's just, um,
2: there's just like no evidence that anything else is tried at any point did they try assigning them other duties
1: no you know what I mean I mean she suggested to Celeste who fuck, oh my god I would just walk out of the room if the, she said this to me uh, not unless you need a waitress cause this I'm not go- good at nothing <laughs> I'm like so oh my god this guy's a
2: goddamn hypochondriac how about you make him a nurse right do you yeah, know what I mean? You don't mean? have any Tom of those. Harris doesn't want to do it.
1: Yeah, you got no nurses. Why don't you give that a shot?
2: <laughs> this guy clearly has interest in medical conditions.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, execution. So it's Lower Decks from TNG, but way worse. Yeah. Because the people in Lower Decks weren't garbage. Like, Torek was a bit over-analytical. Geordi's annoyed by his questions, but he's like on the ball. Uh, I don't know who's his version. Heron? Heron's a fucking monster. Yes. <laughs> okay. Lavelle. Lavelle's an ass kisser, but otherwise seems competent. This Billy guy is a weird little coward. Yeah. Cedo had a black mark on her record, but proved to be full of courage. Celeste is a dummy with no confidence who at least does try to do the right thing in this episode. That's like the closest to passable that this episode gets. They picked three fucking worthless pieces of crap to focus on. What was this mission? Who are the aliens chasing them? Why is Jamie so satisfied in the end? Questions the show cannot hope to answer.
2: Listen, like the aliens that the Equinox was grinding up to use his warp engine boosts. <laughs> this is just a race that is now at war with the Federation. That's right. Forever. And, and that's it.
1: They'll remember this first contact. Uh at least the Borg kids weren't in it. That's the silver lining, true. So, I gave it one point for that. boy, I
2: guess I had it even one better, but let's talk about this so yep. first, Janeway brings in an outside consultant with yes. no real understanding of Starfleet operations or even to what stack people are like. rank everyone
1: or even what people and humans and people are like. Yes,
2: then Janeway decides to go on a field trip with only the three worst performing people. <laughs> And the whole time, from beginning to end, she is intensely proud of herself for doing so. Oh, yeah. For doing something that, if you believe the words that she said at the beginning, is just her job. Yeah. When she's like, we've failed these people. Presumably this is something we should have caught earlier and something we should have been doing all along. But by the way, I'm basically Jesus for doing
1: this. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you all about it. Have you heard that uh, they're uh have you heard that they're offering financial peace in this week's sermon? That's what she said to Chaco earlier.
2: And then And then the episode ends before we learn whether any of that helped any of the three of them at all. At the end, Janeway wakes up and says, What about my crew? And Chakotay says or the doctor says, they're asleep. Not they're in a coma. <laughs> not their rest, they need their rest, they're asleep. Presumably, they're gonna wake up at any point now, and then we can see whether this has made any of it. Nope.
1: Not important, (laughs) and guess what? We ain't gonna see these fucking people again.
2: Nope, they've gotten their brain, heart, and courage from the wizard Janeway, and we don't... They are no longer important at this point. Yeah. Honestly, it's a big letdown, because I thought the premise was fairly strong. Like, Yeah. Of course, some people are going to wash out of Starfleet. It's not going to be for everybody. But what do you do when you can't wash them out? But to have the answer be one big family road trip to fix them all is
1: utterly bonkers. Also, here's something, man. And I know we've talked about this before, but like, there's supposed to be a lot of Maquis in this crew, right?
2: Yeah, these are all regular Starfleets. These are
1: all regular Starfleets. And the reason no, I brought that up is because we've done the episode where they couldn't wash people out before. It was when Tuvok made them run laps.
2: Yep. Uh, do you remember when Jamway brought about six or seven people from <coughs> the Equinox crew on board and told them she'd going to have her eye on them? Yeah, well, yeah, they're yeah. all doing just fine too. They did okay in uh 7 of 9 stack rank.
1: Yep. I actually thought, you know, when I just saw what the brief synopsis of this episode was, I was like, oh, maybe we're going to talk to those guys again. No. Yeah, no. No, no, no. no, no. no, no. Not important. The stuff
2: with the weird, semi real alien life forms that they can't quite make contact with and end up killing is very Voyager and not in a good way. Yep. Honestly, the episode moved from scene to scene okay. It it wasn't like just as television it was fine, it, but it was super duper dumb and I gave it a two.
1: Yep, it was not a good episode. Again, thanks, Voyager. All right, Now uh, world building. Yeah, I will say I think this is my highest world building score of the week.
2: Oh, okay. Voyager, it turns out, is pushing hella terawatts. They got to go give five more terawatts to the astrometrics lab. That's a real number that means something, and it's a fair amount of energy for sure. Okay. Seven has a staff this week.
1: There are other yeah. people
2: who work in the astrometrics lab.
1: We ain't never seen that. Just people, I mean, people just come in there to talk shit, but... As far as we know, she just, she just posts up there.
2: Yeah. At some point, the prevailing theory in cosmology is that there were multiple Big Bangs.
1: Yeah. No, this guy doesn't buy it.
2: He doesn't think so. But janeway has been down this road before, and fucking whatever second postulate keeps popping up. Anyway, uh... There are maybe dark matter comets, proto comets, maybe dark matter life forms, a whole new type of life form they never thought of before. Mm. The Delta Flyer has at least enough escape pods for three people, and that's pretty good for a shuttle. That's not bad. Um, Also, it's got
1: fins. It does.
2: Uh, Starfleet service is a prerequisite to get into some cosmology school. Like this guy needs some real world experience, and presumably he Starfleet was how that ended up happening. It was that
1: or the Naiborite Alliance.
2: Yeah, <laughs> probably the Naiborite Alliance. I don't think they do too much science, is my <laughs> guess.
1: Is it just cargo? Is it just long haul?
2: Just long haul, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought all of that I gave it a four.
1: Okay. Wow. Uh I did not have it that high. Hmm. Let me look at what I got. Uh, this cluster full of anomalies that will probably eventually threaten the ship. Uh, it just turned out to threaten the Delta Flyer instead, and also it wasn't the anomalies, it was the weird aliens. Yeah, it's just somebody who lived there, they just went into somebody's home. Uh, this guy gives her three more percentage points of impulse? At yeah. one point? That's how he describes it?
2: Well, he said they could do max one-eighth impulse, and then he gave her three more percentage points, so I guess they went, I mean, that puts it basically at one-sixth impulse, so <laughs> that's pretty good.
1: Uh, These aliens, they murder without ever learning anything about them. Yep. Um, Somehow there are enough crew on Voyager still that uh, three of them can be complete unknowns to us and basically to the senior staff. Um, I have it as a two.
2: (laughs) Okay. That's fine. What about world uh, characterization?
1: I don't know why i started with this but tp gives balana some totally out of the blue shit about not caring about her subordinates uh-huh. because he's the best boyfriend in the cosmos uh-huh yeah he sure. just like sits down to have lunch with her and he goes <laughs> sounds like someone doesn't give a shit about anybody who works for her, you bitch and you're just yeah, like, I mean, what well, was that he about
2: does, he doesn't have any uh direct reports so no yeah you really time to talk
1: yeah I, just, I couldn't believe that was the first thing he fucking said to her Uh, Janeway's got a weird complex, as we know, about setting things right, and this week it means three nobodies need to be, like, pulled up by their bootstraps or something.
2: Yep, they they get to be on this week's undercover boss. Yep.
1: She cannot control her face when this lady says she'll order the same soup as Janeway, and thanks for the recommendation. Um... Then, for some reason, having witnessed their incompetence, psychotic behavior, and even some criminal crimes, Janeway is totally satisfied by her little outing in the end. Oh, yeah. Seven hates her staff, and also everybody else's. I had it as a two.
2: Uh, Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me on that score. Janeway is so fucking full of herself. Seven have you read the bible Well I'm basically (laughs) Jesus There's 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 a guy Just fucking imagine it
1: There's a guy in the bible Uh, You haven't read it There's a guy in there His name's Jesus Don't worry about it But like I'm basically like him
2: I'm gonna tell you One of Jesus' parables Ah cool One of the ones about How good people And bad people Sometimes don't go to heaven Or whatever No Don't know Don't worry It's one about Jesus that's and I'm, I'm Jesus in this. Yeah. Uh, she lets this asshole Heron off real light.
1: He did a murder, ignored orders, and basically was insubordinate and insulting the entire time.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and really all she had to say at any point
1: was, you signed up for this. Please remember that Tuvix was an excellent employee and a good friend.
2: <laughs> Please remember that everybody liked Tuvix better than either Tuvix either or, or Neelix. Neelix. Yes, and he was better or, at his job. But many people told me, honestly, this is a real minus. <laughs> getting, I know, getting two people back seems like obvious, but no, no. Nope. Uh, could you have used the teleporter to make a second Tuvix? Like <coughs> there any way that could have happened?
1: Yeah, Tuvix was really addition by subtraction for sure. Yeah,
2: for sure. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, no so is... we went
1: from two staff to one, but he is outstanding.
2: Right. <laughs> Uh, nobody else is really in this one except Seven, and she's more frustrated with Celeste than Jordy and Riker were frustrated with Barkley. <laughs> Somehow.
1: Yeah, she hates her guts.
2: <clears throat> Maybe don't give her a staff like she runs a department if if she doesn't have the skills, if she's not a people manager. Uh, you you know? know she doesn't,
1: by the way. Like, th- they don't need to ask that question. They know she doesn't have that. Remember the time she told Harry Kim that he was now fucking two of eight or whatever? Yes. You can't do that, man. You can't just summarily fucking uh, promote and demote people in your weird little fake Borg structure.
2: Yeah, man. But you know, it's always weak to say it's illegal for you to do that.
1: That's a very weak. You can legally ask me to do that.
2: Yeah. Um. (laughs) Just bad looks all around this week. I gave it a two, also for character. Yeah, they fucking suck.
1: The writers suck. The characters suck. It all sucks. (laughs)
2: Um, hey, man, Star Trek
1: sucks sometimes, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know, I kind of a running play-by-play on this one for me. Uh, first I wrote, man, I'm not sure this space majesty music is appropriate here. And then I wrote, real glad this one is you.
1: <laughs> it was uh, difficult wrote, to describe. Lots of new characters <laughs> yes. this fucking mission that is nothing. And
2: when, when, because you know also that I would have described it in stupid detail, too, so... The scene, yeah. scene where I thought that, I think, where I started to think that was probably when Celeste was calling Billy real quiet on her combat, yeah, yeah, even yeah, though they yeah. both had roommates and stuff. and like I
1: didn't say none of that.
2: I was like, ah, oh, man, I would have to talk about this too much. Um, <laughs> And then I wrote halfway in, still waiting for something absurd and dumb to happen.
1: You uh, have to keep waiting, man. They and
2: then I too. wrote, oh, okay, the alien is in the hypochondriac's neck. There we go. <laughs> Uh, Are these escape pods standard? Are they for runabouts? Because you couldn't get one of these in a type 15 or a type 6 or 7, but I don't think Tom Paris designed them because they don't have like a big crazy porthole or flames on the sides. I was going to say flames on the sides for sure. Yeah, like these look standard in some way, but what are they for?
1: Yep, that's a good question.
2: And then I wrote, oh, uh, yeah, she's literally going to take the Delta Flyer back to rescue the one lost sheep.
1: Even though that guy really could have been left out there. What yeah, could have left him out there? They were everyone already talked fine. about how he didn't impact operations. Give Tom Morello anyway, the job where he pushes the button. To that's him right. <laughs> Honestly, no one has to stay up there full time. You just go up there when it's time to push the button. It's okay.
2: And I was so mad at the end. I wrote, "Fuck, man! Imagine if Lower Decks just ended with Riker congratulating himself for being cool <laughs> to these kids or whatever."
1: After they did a murder,
2: like it's I like you know what? Their it. part of the story is over now. Let's just focus on Riker again. <laughs> like they were they were genuinely too afraid to make this a. It's a Lower Decks, but it's all about Janeway.
1: A hundred percent about Janeway. About Janeway. I, I'm sorry, what happened on that mission? <coughs> there should be, like, an inquest. Like, what is happening? She's, not only is she not upset, she's fucking delighted. Yep. I don't know what to t- I don't know what to well, say. Listen,
2: man, after he did that murder, he either pretended he was going to abandon the ship for the distraction, or was going to abandon the ship and got all the way into the escape pod before he thought, no, this is too far even for me. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> for best actor, I wrote, I guess it's gotta be Janeway. I don't yeah, know who it else it could be.
1: It wasn't these guest actors, for sure.
2: Yeah, so for worst actor, I did write Billy.
1: Yeah, Billy wasn't good.
2: He's got a hard job, because hypochondria is a tough thing to play. And as as good an actor, as Shakespearean an actor, as Dwight Schultz suffered with it a little bit in Realm of Fear. You know, struggled with that,
3: but...
1: Yeah. <sighs> He did yeah, this guy, they clearly said uh, ca- cartoonish. We want you to be cartoonish. Yes. Oh, but, 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 but guys. Um, <clears throat> all right. I would have put Heron in Brig for 10,000 years.
2: Oh, yeah. 10,000 years Brig for sure.
1: Yeah. If anyone wanted to know why, I'd just say Tuvix and watch them slink away quietly. <laughs> I declare Tuvix. Yeah. That was the only quick hitter I had. I usually come up with about one when I do the description.
2: Yeah, it's tough. You've said everything you wanted to say already. Yep. Probably more than you wanted to say. Honestly, Much more about this one. Warager. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, scores are in. Mm. We have a tie down at the bottom. Uh, yeah. I will probably... It was a
1: 7-10 split, man. It was a
2: 7-10 split.
1: We each gave a 7 and a 10.
2: And the individual's uh, scores are 6, 4, 4, 3 for both. So there's really nothing in it between the two of them. No. So, yeah, uh, probably just keep uh, TNG down at the bottom because it's a it was there this week and it's supposed to be Voyager. So, you know. (laughs) That's true. Fucking figure it out, guys. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, 17 points for Aquiel, 17 points for Good Shepherd.
1: And the big winner, as we said, 38th, Change of Heart. Deep
2: Space Nine, Change of Heart. That is its 49th win. Okay. So they're now back to uh, eight behind TNG.
1: Yep, and they're back to, I don't know if they actually changed that much, but they're under a point uh, difference between their average score and Yeah,
2: that might not have happened this week, but yeah, that is, uh, they're, they're close on the average. But, I mean, time is starting to run out. Like, an eight win difference across the remaining Deep Space Nine's got 35 left. Yeah. So they'd have to go, oh boy uh twenty one and fourteen would only be seven, so yeah. they'd have to get twenty they have to get twenty two of the next thirty five wins, yeah to catch t n g on the win score, even if we don't award any wins after that, so it is. The door is starting to close on Deep Space Nine. But no, they
1: gotta get. there they do not appear to be in panic mode, and they need to be, man.
2: But TNG's still got some. I mean, season seven in my memory. Oh, it's
1: so many stinkers.
2: Is a is real stinky. So yep. Next week, uh, an episode that we thought might be okay for TNG, Face of the Enemy. Not yeah. sure if it'll be big points or not. There'll be some. i definitely.
1: I'm. Uh, I feel like it's in a gray area where. Anything is possible for scores on Face of the Enemy.
2: Unfortunately, Carolyn Seymour doesn't play the same character in this upcoming yeah. one. So she's not, we don't get to consider her
1: for characterization because I'm sure she does a good job. Well, she's got some shit going on, man. The fucking tall she did some shit to her family. Uh huh. So there's a lot happening there. Uh-huh. Deep Space
2: Nine, Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night. We get to learn mm. about Kira's mom. Yeah. The bad the bad things.
1: She's, she's got it going Akira's on. Mom. No. You go.
2: On? <laughs> um, the Voyager episode I get to describe is called Real Fast and Prosper. <laughs> now, I did not look at the trailer for this one, but I do know that there is an episode of Voyager where they put on race suits and enter a shuttle race. Is that this episode? <coughs> Hold
1: on a second. I'm just going to look up what it is because... <clears throat> it might not because that's some Vulcan shit, but... Because I've really... I'm so fucking glad that you have to do one that's called that. Um, You know, live
2: fast and prosper could be Tuvok gets too old or something.
1: Nah, man. uh, It's uh, the crew gets replaced by some some doppelgangers or something.
2: No.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) No. Yeah, I just saw the screenshot. It's pretty fucking Uh, good. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to copy this image. I'm going to send it to you so you can look at it. A bunch of
2: dopplers?
1: Take a look at that. Take a look at that. You like that? Oh, no, I hate it. Do you like it like that?
2: Is the guy on the right supposed to be Chakotay?
1: Yeah, he's like an alien Chakotay.
2: Oh, man. I mean, Tuvok,
1: Tuvok, fake Tuvok is given side eye. I Mike, Mike could get used to that. <laughs> he's probably better than the uh, the real deal, for sure. Oh, no, I hate this.
2: I hate this image. Well, there you go. I'm mad that I have to describe it.
1: That's how it works, man. Oh boy. Now you Those got to what explain what's watch. going on with a bunch of brand new fucking noobs who ain't no never God been on the it. show before.
2: God damn it. I'm glad I'm glad that next week is Thanksgiving, now I don't have to do it.
1: That's true. That's how it works. That's the good thing you about Thanksgiving in general. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> That's uh I think Abe Lincoln started that tradition. I think so, too. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, what so you that's what watch. All yeah. right, well, we did it, everybody. Uh, Pelt or joy, uh, as you believe, so shall you shall do, so shall you do, as you believe, so shall you do. Time to find out if I was
0: able to mute any of those coughs. <laughs> he says,
3: Robo wants an
0: Oreo. And I looked at him and go, no, it's just you and I, Peter. Robo doesn't get an Oreo. Peter wants an aria. Peter can have an aria. Please subscribe.